we're going to do a show. You can listen to your voicemail while we do what? the show. Oh, okay. No, listen to it. I want to know all about it. Well, you I and Peter Sprite. Peter answers every call he gets. Ooh, that's interesting. And I'm like, dude. Why? Well, yeah, because... <laughs> and the only reason why I can tell you it's a bad thing is because they once, they've got, once they know you answer, even though it's a recording... They'll keep calling you, so he's really only bringing it upon. I mean, I know he's he's having fun with it at first. Well, but you're bringing it upon yourself, but is they that, track you because I don't know if you know it's that's not just them. Then they start selling. A lot of those are testers, so they go, "Ooh, live person," and they start selling your number over and over. Oh, over I did again. not realize that because yeah, I get beacons, dude. They're trying to see if that's a legit number. Well, also, you, there's certain things you do, like if you ever inquire anywhere about health insurance. Anywhere for any reason, like right now, ask me. You, you know, because then it'll their phone will start ringing. Like literally, they <laughs> start calling you immediately, and they are relentless. It's crazy. And then you'll pick up. Like I've tried to pick up to be like, hey, I don't want. I've got health insurance. I don't need you. You can stop calling. You know, like make everybody's day easier. And it was a recording message, but the it was a woman like having a conversation. She's like, hi, how you doing? I understand you're looking for health insurance. I'm like, yeah, no, actually, I, well, this is what we've got. I'm like. Can you hear me? Are you listening to me? And she Barbara? Just, she just kept talking. I was like, oh, you're a recording. Yeah. She's or like, she wasn't. I'm sorry. Just... What was your choice? I'm like, what? Sorry, what was your Goodbye. Choice? You know what? And that's why it confuses older people. And they're like, ah, uh, B? Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 Nana. No, no. Welcome Nana's to Hollywood got... Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. And I'm John Huck. There he and is. Nana's got four different insurances. Yeah, She's just... covered. The whole Door-to-door, spamming. I just don't get it. I'm, You know, I'm just glad to be alive because I had a toenail infection from going to get a mani-pedi with my wife. And I got to be honest with you, I think I got beat up there, and I don't really know what I did to that woman. Well. Because I asked my wife afterwards, I'm like, is it supposed to hurt during the mani-pedi? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I was in pain the whole time. She's like, why didn't you say something to her? I'm like, because I didn't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the process is here. Is that your I thought, first Manny Petty? No, but I was, I, I'm one of those, again, I've had bad haircuts where I've tipped people and said, thank you so much for, for. <laughs> thank you. This looks great. I'm going to go out in public now and be mocked I, by No, I, I did. I ran, I, I left halfway through a haircut and I, I was mad and I tipped and it didn't make any sense. But my point is I just, I, I, I'll sit there passively and be like, oh my God. The pain I'm experiencing right now, I don't think is normal, but I don't want to hurt her feelings for well, working on my feet because right. I already feel bad about that old concept because I'm not Roman, you know, and right. I just, it feels weird to me. Well, I will say if someone's um, invading your space and hurting your body, you have the right to say something. I, now, should they give you a safe word at the Manny Petty? Well, you can just like usually if you see if you don't say anything, she's like, OK, what I'm doing is fine. And then they do it deeper and harder. And you're like, oh, that really hurts. Like, well, one time I did go, ooh, and she just ignored me. Well, she only had like four teeth. Okay. Well, I mean, I've had, I've had, um, I've had, you know, I've had some bad ones. And then Nicole has had some bad ones. You know, they just dig in and, and you're bleeding by the end of it. Yeah. You're like, yeah, Jesus. What are they, what are they doing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get it. I know and the cuticles clearly anger those people, but wow. I don't really know what a cuticle is, and I've lived with cuticles my whole entire life, and it hasn't stopped me from doing anything. So you don't have to get that crazy about cuticles. Oh well, I don't even. I, don't even know I what mean, a cuticle is, just the idea that look, they do a job I don't want to ever do. You know, it's like a dentist by choice. Okay. Yeah. Right. But by I mean, choice, I would assume it's by choice. Yeah. I mean, you're doing the but, but their job. It's a great job to. To, if you can do it well, that's nice, you know, but uh, it's a job I could never do. So I don't know what all this, what is involved in it necessarily, mm-hmm. but 
it's not supposed to necess- it's not supposed to hurt. It can feel like, ooh, that feels um, forceful, but it shouldn't be like, oh, that's painful. Manny Petty talk here on Hollywood Anonymous. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> I haven't John had one Martin. in a while, but um, I do like they. You are like a, a band walking into those places is like a unicorn. They get giggly when a guy comes in. You know what I think? Which I which I find you know endearing, but also kind of silly. It's, it's like you're also making me feel a little uncomfortable. It's the stereotype of like a woman going to a mechanic. You know what I mean? Like that old stereotype where, oh, we got a, we got a broad here. <laughs> yeah, you got to get some undercoating. Like, broad. I feel like they could sell us on anything. Like, ooh, these are your nails? You're going to need the um, overcoat, and you're going to need the uh, tight wrap, and you're, gonna, and you're just going, huh? What? I guess if that's what the nails are supposed to do, I don't know. Like, we have no idea. So I just go, well, that's, I only go when I'm going with my wife, and then she orders what I want for me. It's like going to sushi. She orders for me. Well, that's why I don't go to any of those, uh, like, Jiffy Lube places or any of those places anymore because one time I went in to get an oil change and I came home with $400 like four, and Natalie was like what the fuck what, what did happened? you get I'm like I don't know this guy showed me on my air filter and, he, and then he showed me this other thing and she's like did it come out of our car or was he just pulling he just it out of a bag of things shit out. This, is, this is what a good one looks like this one hold on a second hold on is he pulling out of a bag in his back pocket this is what yours looks like and you're like oh my god is this supposed to look good get no. Chris Porter has a great joke about that. He's like, you go to a Jiffy And they've been Lube. sued, by the way. They've been sued. For not doing for anything. Doing, and for they'll, doing those. They'll open a lot. car. They'll open up a car, leave the hood up, and then go do something else and come back and go, hey, oil's changed. Yeah, bye. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard of that, but like Porter does a thing where he talks about how they come out and show you yeah. the dipstick yeah. like it's an abused child like or like an air filter. Like, have you seen this? Yeah. What happened here? Like, I don't know. It's a filter. Is it filtering... Dirt, it's good, right? It's like they show you the, the oil, like here's the oil. You're like, that that's a that's good. I don't know, shouldn't the whole stick be full of oil or no? Just this little part down here. Like it's they've just got very their, funny. They've got like, they their know way. you don't know. So yeah. they're, they're, if you knew you'd be changing your oil yourself, yeah, it's, probably. It's amazing what you what the, as the time goes by by because their whole concept, not just Jiffy Lube, but whatever those places are, there's a million of them. Yeah, yeah. But, but the concept good, is Upsell. Everything is an upsell, right? And they know that the average person has no idea. And they're trying to capitalize at the moment with their typical thing in America, fear. Mm-hmm. Right? You well, could if you don't change this, I don't know if you know this or not, but this is a ticking time bomb. And this yeah. thing is going to explode. Okay, this air filter will cause your car to explode. Do you love your parents? I do love my parents. Well, you might not see them tomorrow if you don't change this air filter. We were talking off air about... Um, Gifts. Well, first off, do you do you want to? No, but okay. you want me to. I know. Um, I know. I do. Brian has placed near my chair. He has placed an award. Yeah, it's an award. Uh, I win him a cake. Very, very well made. Uh, <laughs> solid, solid piece of. Um, uh, I guess flair. What would you call this? I would call it an award for hard work. Okay. Uh, NFL flag. Yep. Pasadena. Yep. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Fall 2019 season. Yep. Coach of the season. Coach of the season. Brian Irwin. It's me. That's Packers. Me. Yep, that's me. That's me, the it's coach. It's got a little whistle yep, on yes. a little, um, mm-hmm. uh, like a Greek stand. Yes. And then it's got the word coach. Yeah, I'm a coach. With stars around it. Yeah, because I'm a coach of a star, a star, um, star coach. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, as, as you know, I've been crushing it lately. As, and, yeah, um, as everyone probably knows. Yeah, sure. as everyone knows. Um, yep. I'm crushing it, and I got that award. And you also know that I have a mustache currently. Yeah. And the reason why I have the mustache was because I, sh- I finally decided to shave the beard. Like, I go through, like, the phases where, like, see, you don't do this. But, like, I just, I'm like, I just, I'm enough. 
Right. I, I want to take it off. Sure. And, you know, I'm a hairy person, so I can grow them back quickly. That's not a big deal. But I came out of the bathroom with just the mu- mustache and a little bit of a, uh, yeah, the, a, a Frank patch. Zappa patch underneath the mustache. Frank Zappa patch. And I, I did it as a joke, and the kids were like, please, please, Dad, you're a 1980s coach now. Just don't, t- please don't get rid of it. Oh, and I was they, like, you know they, what? They liked it. Yeah, I don't care. Well, well they no. like it because... I am a caricature to them. Yes. I am not like, yeah. there's nothing legitimate about me to them. I am just the guy that they're getting to the it's age It's like they now. got to draw you different one day. Well, I'm at an age now, and you know this because we've all been kids, but you get no. to a point where you're, you get to an age where your parents are now becoming cartoon characters to you. They're no like, when you're little, you're like, oh my God, you guys are my heroes. And right. then you become teenagers and you're like, listen. Yeah. Listen, yeah. goofball over there that, that uh, I don't really know what's going on with your Gets life. Gets in a fight with a piece of American cheese. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. So that's where I'm at. And I don't care. I'll play the role. It's, it's fine with me. But I, so anyway, I couldn't make it to receive my award. So my oldest son uh, took the eye. You know the stuff they put under eyes? Uh, yeah, the, the black, black stuff. Yeah. He drew a mustache and a little soul patch on his face and accepted the award on my behalf. That's funny. Because they, they do photographs, stuff like that. So That's he made very sure funny, that they, though. Uh, did he give a speech that was like did. you? Like, yeah. well, we got to work hard and I'm, play yeah. hard and I'm a dork. And yeah, blah, he, yeah. he probably gave some sort of long-winded, blow-hearted speech yeah. that made, made no sense. And probably now let's get out there and have fun, everybody. Say, covered every cliche that's been said right. in youth sports. Be the ball! Like, what is this? <laughs> Guys, old man, be quiet. Um, but the reason why we, that's where the conversation was before the air was. Yeah, well, I, congratulations on coach of the 2019 NFL. More awards for coaching my kids than I've ever received in my entire life for everything that I've ever done, which is hilarious because you would think that in order to be a coach, you should have already had a previous life of success in that sport. And turns out I have no Dude, awards. if you had a previous life of success in a sport, you wouldn't be coaching an NFL flag Pasadena football. That's true. In the off season of your actual playing. Casey Affleck's in the league, and he won an Academy Award. And oh, he also, oh, I he, thought we I were talking but I don't about think he's in gotten, sports. I don't think he's won a coach of the season Probably award. Probably not, dude. Maybe he has. I don't know. All right, so, um, but the reason why I was, I was, we were talking about this off air was um, the Packers thing, and I said I, I make sure that we're always the Packers in that league because um, my family for the last, you know, 10 years. 20 years. Yeah. me. <laughs> oh, you like Packers? I get more Packers stuff for you. And so th- I'm just, the house is loaded with Packers stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, a lot of sweatshirts that I'll never wear. And now people um, who don't know what to buy you, because as a man, you reach a certain age and people are like, what do I get this guy? Like, your mom doesn't even know. Like, you're pe- nobody. But it's I, so I'm easy like, to peg, right? Just get now it's like, Pack- Packers. Oh, this is Brian. I like this. It's, got, it's a wedge of cheese with the word Packers on it. Like, <laughs> it's, it doesn't, like. And like, fine, by the way, I don't want to shit on anybody that's no, no, no. giving me a gift. No, that's it's not, not what I it's mean. Not, it's, it, you're still making an attempt. I just can't like, keep up with the amount of wardrobe I have. Yeah. The, you, you, a sweatshirt every decade is not is is too many. Do you know what I mean? If you got one sweatshirt every 10 years, you're still going to only wear that sweatshirt two weeks out of the year in L.A. Now, the side note to that is I do occasionally get Packer stuff for myself, but I'm very particular about the clothes and hats sure. and shirts that I wear. So when I get one, it's because I'm like, exactly. Like, it's a, it's a very well thought out plan. And so I think I confuse the system because I'm still on top of it. I'm still going for extras. And they're like, yeah, but 
what about all the stuff we got you? I'm like, yeah, but you know, well, I'm back. I'm back now with records. Cause I, the same thing was happening to me. Like I got a Cubs hat from my sister-in-law and brother-in-law every year and a Cubs hat or a Hawks hat from my mother-in-law. And then like a, a Hawks sweatshirt or a Cubs sweatshirt. It was always, it's Cubs, 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 Cubs for every gift. Yeah, but here's which, the thing about the Cubs and it's very similar to the Packers. Their logos never changed. So it's almost like, and the same thing with Blackhawks. There's only so many variations you can get because there's no other logo. It's right. like basically they're, you're ba- you're getting repeats. Yeah, it's the, you're and getting again, the same it's thing. It's fine. Yeah, and and now every year I like to get a new Cubs hat. That's like a regular game kind of hat. So a cleaner hat. Yeah, but but on the do you, for the do, most do, part, do you, do you date them? Yeah, I write them on the I write on the inside. Especially, well, I I didn't used to. Now I do since the World Series. I have. So you so you know which year this hat? Yeah, was I from. know this twenty twenty. I got the twenty sixteen hat in my closet. Right. Well, yeah, of course. And then twenty sixteen. Yeah, there's a classic move. I'm gonna get this and then I'm gonna hide it forever. So like, no, really, I you wore don't it. Have it. It's the hat I wore all season. It's the hat I wore all season. While yeah, they but were now running. you're keeping it's top secret. Now it's like no, now it's just old and dirty. Yeah, I know, but it's it's your favorite hat. You're missing my point. My point is you shelved it. And then one day you're going to want to take it out to show everybody. And people are like, yeah, bro, I don't. And I'll then you're like, why am I hiding it? I'm not hiding it. You're I'm hiding just it. Like, I hide my Star Wars figures from when I was a That's because you're a grown man and you're hiding your toys from your family. You don't want your kids to open the boxes. No, and play they're, with them. they're open now. I let them play with them once and they were a little rough with them. I put them away. I'm like, yes, yeah, game's over, guys. Let's just put this stuff away. Oh, but fun. the whole point of like saving them for 30 years was let them play with them. And then I got upset. Super fun, dad. Yeah. My, my whole thing is <laughs> I'm just uh, trying to, to move, work off the, the hats and everything and go to records. Just buy me a, a gift certificate to Discogs, and I can go there and buy whatever records I want. That's all new I care records. about now. Old, new, whatever. I love records. No, but not like you're not going to like. Buy, you got to go to Goodwill. That's where. That's where you're finding the great. That's where all these records are on my wall. They're all from Goodwill. It's all records I would not put on a turntable, but yes. Yeah, but. Dude, there's turntable records. Then there's just ridiculous records. Well, I don't need any more pictures on my wall, dude. I got enough, but thank you. But, but I will tell you, I, I've played every single one of these ones. Oh, I'm sure. Once. Yeah. Once. Well, right. And that was enough. And then you were and halfway <laughs> through, you were like, yeah, we're good here on Ken Griffin on the happy side <laughs> or whatever that is. A lot, I think it's a keyboard. A lot of them. There, there was a time apparently in the music business where we were like, we need more people playing organs like that's an, i think that's an organ album i have a lot of organ albums can but I, I got them on accident i didn't realize it was a huge thing can i tell you something that is so bizarre that you say that my mom like when when my dad passed away in 2009 he had so many records 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 for days he had records and she was like she told my brother you guys go through them grab the records you want i'm gonna sell or get rid of the rest and i said okay great so i grabbed a lot of the louis armstrong and the dixieland jazz and the and some of the blues stuff and some of the older stuff and there was some elvis and there was just random stuff in there right and my brother took a bunch of stuff and then what was left was like organ music mm-hmm. shit tons of organ music so clearly there was a time not once in 42 years of marriage did my mom recall a time when my dad was like Got to put on my organ albums and play these now. Going to organ concert. Never. Yeah, right. We're going to go see this organist in concert. Like, you, no. They do never. every Sunday at the church. Dude, my dad didn't go to church <laughs> when I was growing up. My dad was raised Catholic. He went to church his whole life. He was done by the time I came along. But Yeah, that we, sounds about right for being Catholic. So. Oh, yeah. But when my mom took me to church, we didn't hear. It wasn't like a shit ton of organ. And we weren't like, mm, we're here for the organ. Like, yeah. what? I was there for the coffee cake, man. Like, we're here for the organ. That was just such a bizarre, like, I don't know what, like you, and you say you accidentally got them. I feel like they were just like, oh, you're buying these two records. We're going to slide three organ records in here and then put them in your bag.
bag. When like, I say acts like God, I'm meaning like I was buying them because of the album. Like I like the weird album art. Right. And so so they but act, then I, some of the weirdest art was the organ music. Organ one, because they had no choice. There was nothing, you know, it was just organs. <sighs> well, anyway. speaking of strange organs, music. <laughs> Weirdos. Speaking of organs, <laughs> freaks. Not even. Uh, our guest today. That's how he could take a joke. Uh, yeah. Of, he's everyone's dude, friend. The First of all, the only reason he's here is because he can definitely take a joke. Um, I mean, I, I would I would assume that's the only reason he still talks to me is because he can take a joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know why he hangs out with us. But our guest today, who was nice enough to shoot over here early in the morning, because it is kind of early LA time. And he still looks beautiful. Dude, the guy's a fucking stand-in for fucking Matthew McConaughey. He's yeah. a, he's a but, model, for God's sake. look at sakes. his fucking hair. Comedian, Jesus. writer, filmmaker, Brian Swinehart, everybody. Hey, hey. Thank what you for having me on. <laughs> do you know that you have good hair? You know what? I, I do. I woke up today and I was like, because I, I, it was, you know, you guys messaged me, and I was still late in bed when I got the text. But I was oh, like, good I would you. assume, man, I'm surprised you got back to me. And then, uh, but I was like, should I take a shower? And I looked up, I was like, no, my hair is perfect as <laughs> is. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you're like, so then, then next to like, you looked in the mirror, and then you looked at a picture next to your mirror, which is just me and Brian, and you're like, oh yeah, I already look better than this. So I'm <laughs> yeah, fine. I don't, see. I honestly. I can't, I've never woken up and looked in the mirror and went, no, we're good. I look in the mirror and be like, I don't want anybody calling the cops on me, so I have to take a shower. You, it's like, you have that good type of hair that like, it can be a little messy and people are like, yeah. But I think guy. it's just, he's so much of it. It's such a thick, you got it's such a, a good head Yes, hair. that's what I'm saying. He's yeah. got You're, good You got hair. like the thinning fro. I've got the wispy chemo look. Yeah, both of us would have the police called on us if we don't grow. Yeah, I need like a surgeon to fix my hair in the morning. Sorry, there's like, a gentleman here <laughs> that is not making people feel comfortable. What's he doing? Guys, Nothing, but I just saw his hair. in. I guess he works here. I don't know. But we're not feeling comfortable. If we could just bring someone in with a rifle to take him out, that would be great. How are you, Brian? I'm great, man. Hey, you guys were talking about records. Uh, I know the best person to buy records from. Boone Shakalaka at the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you get all know. the hits. He gets all the hits, and I tell you, I got a Steve Martin uh, record and a Rodney Dangerfield for him. From Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, the Rodney Dangerfield. Did you have to pay loser. for it? Yeah, and oh, it was, okay. each one was like two bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like he's like this one's fifty. No, he no. found them. No, he <laughs> he came across them somehow. Yeah, okay. it's like he he swaps and trades, and he yeah. does. Uh, he's okay. a very he, interesting. He has like uh, you know, I bought a Nirvana shirt from him once, and you know, whatever. Like he just Ryan's wardrobe. You're gonna. I can't wait to see you walking red carpet. What are you wearing? I'm wearing Boone Chuckalock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got this at the comedy store out of a grocery cart. <laughs> um, is it? Does he? Is he homeless or does he actually live somewhere? You know, I don't know. I've oh, seen so him. where are you buying the stuff? Well, he shows he up at the store. It to the comedy store. So you talk about it, and then he brings it to you. Or he comes up to he comes up to you, goes, "Hey, you want this?" And he'll start sh- kind of showing you his stuff. Yeah. And then I saw, Wait, but these are records and T-shirts. Where is he carrying all this? A grocery stuff? cart, a bag. He has this bag, you know, a little bag that you okay. have, and you know, and he uh, he carries it, has handles on it, and just uh, okay, like you would bring to like you know if you'd bring to Ralph's if you bring your own bag instead yeah, of getting yeah, the, yeah. The bags at the store, but yeah. you, but also you, you work at the Herald for so long. You must, you must know the knife guy. Oh yeah, knife yeah. guy shows up. Yeah, but he's he, the knife guy primarily focused on the security guards. Like he would always and the grips. Like he would go yeah. to the security guards. Yeah, and then and everybody kind of knew like, oh, this is where you get your knives from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. knife guy. He's still around. I actually saw him one time. I don't go downtown that often anymore because there's too much construction down there. Yeah, uh, but I was driving by one time. I was driving by, and of course, I was driving by a film set there and there he was with his with his bicycle with his, his basket, uh, basket knives. knives yeah i got a knife from that guy my oh, boss was like you want a knife i go 
I don't know, not really. Like, what am I doing with a? How many knives do I fucking need? And he's like, dude, I got to get you a knife. I'm like, all right. He's like, this is my boss. This is Mark Herwick who wanted when if if Code Nine got picked up for a second season, he was like, me and you, we're getting matching old cop cars. And I, and I was like, boom, dude. I was so in. I was like, yeah, I get to go to one of those auctions, get one of those badass like old bluesmobiles. Awesome. Um. Right. By, by the way, can you want to talk about the dog? You brought, you brought so, your dog. Yeah. who looks like an older version of my dog, Gary. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's like Gary's also old, which... Yeah, <laughs> this, not this dog is real old. Okay. Uh, but he... he, uh, he if he wants to go down, he can go okay, down. Okay. Yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, so basically I have him this weekend. I see I have joint custody with, with my... I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, what? I have joint custody of my dog. With my ex-girlfriend. Now, you guys actually work that out. Because well, normally people break up, it's, it's what, F-U, what, F-U, well, and then you never talk with each other again. Yeah. Well, I so, assume this is a judge. This is judge oh, order. Yeah, was yeah, this yeah, court order? This is court order. order. <laughs> judge Wapner's like, this is, uh, you guys share custody. What's the dog's name? It's Bestie. Bestie. Best friend. Oh, right? you know, so. Bestie. All right, so, how, so walk us through how one goes about getting this, joint custody this is a of an animal. story, man. So great, can't wait to hear it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brian Swinehart, everybody, <laughs> with another messed up story. <laughs> we uh, so we break up. My other friend Valerie says, "Brian, you need a dog." So I, we, me and this ex just broke up, which you know you break up a lot and get back, you know, and get back together, right? Sure. So yeah, we broke up. Well, yeah, you know, like you guys married know, guy, like married twenty five years guys or guys whatever. Knows. I've been married before, remember? <laughs> so I, I know. I know. I once. Okay. <laughs> so, Actually, I think my wife breaks up with me every single day. She does. We call yes. it going to work, but I think she's <laughs> one of these days she's not coming back. Anyway, why are you taking the kids to work with you? Don't worry about it. What are those suitcases? <laughs> I have to go now. Please let us be. <laughs> Don't anyway, call con- me. Continue, Mr. Okay. So we uh so uh so my friend Valerie sees this dog, this other girl's walking and she she brings the dog to my house, basically. This girl oh, found him. All right, you're, you're, wait, hold on a second. You're skipping all my place. Okay. You she already see somebody up? walking a dog and she stole a dog? She stole the dog. So, so she did or did not? Did not. So, uh, Valerie's like, Brian, you need a dog. You're breaking up with your girlfriend. You need something to forget about your girlfriend. Okay. So then she's, a, she's walking her dog and she sees this girl who has four dogs. And she starts talking and, tell, and she tells her that she found this dog that I have on the street and she's trying to find him a home. Oh, okay. So then, so then she brings the girl that Valerie met brings this dog to my house, and of course, I ended up keeping him. Well, then my ex girlfriend comes by to get some stuff or whatever, and she sees the dog, but he has very big ears, right? And she just saw his ears out of the sheets and thought it was a rat, and kind of gets scared. The dog sees her, jumps out of the bed, starts following her around, automatically. He's she's he she's already stolen him from me at this point. Uh, Within seconds, he just follow her everywhere. So then uh, I moved places. Uh, I moved places. I had to move because she was staying with me. But I had to move because she wait, wouldn't leave. Who was staying with you? My ex girlfriend. So she came back to to live with you because of the dog. Well, that's what she said. I don't know. She came back for your hair because <laughs> probably <laughs> and some other things. Okay, yeah. Uh. <laughs> You think his hair up there is good? <laughs> when you see, see the the pompadour of his, right. the pubic pompadour he has, his waist colic, <laughs> waist colic, my waist colic. <laughs> uh, so she she was she came back to live with you after yeah. you'd gotten the dog. Yeah. Okay. And uh, 
and, and you had to then, move. And I had to move because she wouldn't leave. Because she wouldn't leave. She wait, wouldn't, wait. Yeah, she wouldn't leave my place. So you moved out of your I place. I moved out of my place. She was squatting. And she, yeah, and then she had to move out. She said, "All oh, my roommate left. I have to have another place to stay. I need to stay here for a little while." And I was like, "I don't want you. Like, I wanted to not have her staying with me. You know, so I you like, were done. I was done. Oh, okay, game over. So, uh, so that took six months. So then I moved." Got another place. Live with these other two guys in the messiest pl- house you've ever seen. Well, that sounds like that was an upgrade. Uh, it was a d- <laughs> great choices. Uh, so there were great was, choices. Yeah, there was three dogs there, two cats. It was like you know, just uh, in the valley. Anything else? Anything else you want to throw into that uh, that winner of a situation, <laughs> Brian? How badly did you? That's you must well, have really, really wanted to get you away. Did from not her. want to, to live with that woman anymore. Clearly, no, if you were willing yeah. to go through all of that, yeah. but, but also if you say I don't want to live with you, and that person does not leave, that person is a psycho. Well, or they don't have anywhere. They to don't. Go. They don't have a place to go. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I just. I mean, compared to some of the other psychos I've dated. You're right. Now this. Yeah. If she's actually. She's actually coherent and like. She's actually my favorite of all my. Exes. Oh, okay. As a person, she's nice. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I figure he would not be sharing a dog with someone that he thinks at some point is going to stab him in the neck. That right. would be my theory. Well, I did think that a couple times. Oh, okay, but. good. Okay, great. We'll get back to that in a second. So continue on your um, legal journey with this dog. So the legal journey continues. So then I'm staying at this house with these two other guys in the messiest situation you've uh-huh, ever seen with uh-huh. three dogs and two cats uh-huh. and... What's the matter with those people? Just out of curiosity. Well, why? they're just regular guys, you know. Yeah, they're not just, really. They're <laughs> just. Were they com- were they comedians? Uh, no, they would have like they they like they had personality of comedians, just never the confidence. Oh you God! Know, you know how you got kind of. Why weird, do they funny collect people? so many animals? Oh, a lot of people like, love animals. Yeah, what are you talking? Are they trying to they create a sitcom? From a guy who collects fucking <laughs> random dead, half dead cats or whatever you do. Yeah, I'm saving them, dude. I mean, you gotta I understand. An- I save animals. People got a soft spot in their heart for animals. I know. <laughs> I was a joke. I clearly have had a lot of animals in this house. Yeah, I save animals. It's, yeah, especially when, when, I, when gotta, I have to have a lot of animals when I have with kids around. Yeah. I feel. Uh, yeah, because sometimes that goes real well together. Anyway, continue. So, so okay, so moved out. So now I'm living with these guys, and then I'm like, I find a place to live on Beechwood. Uh, and right. I was like, this is my spot. I got to move here. But they don't take dogs. Oh. So meanwhile, my ex would come from time to time. Sometimes she would come to my place where I, where I was living now mm-hmm. and scoop the dog. I won't even know. She, I would come home. I'm like, where's the dog? Well, okay, Brian. Oh, she would come by and grab the dog when you weren't <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah, uh, okay. But that requires her knowing where a I key. live. Well, she didn't, I don't think she had a key. She would come and knock, but we would leave the screen door open. Okay, or we'd leave the front. The screen door would be closed. I'm sorry, but the door, the front door, would be open. Okay, I just want to be clear. This dog is not going to hurt anyone. Yeah, he's so we, innocent it, victim. Yeah. So, um, okay, so you in the city of Los Angeles with um, uh, you know, know a, a moderate crime rate. Yeah. Um, you just leaving your door open. Yeah, me and these two okay. guys. Yeah. All right. Well, good for you guys. Well, I guess there were so many animals there. I guess it didn't matter. <laughs> we thought we were protected. Most people, it turns out, even if dogs aren't scary, a lot. You'd be surprised how many criminals are just afraid of dogs in yeah. general. They rule out the house immediately if they see a dog in it. Yeah. So it actually is good. So continue. So she's in. So, so she came and picked up the dog. Yeah. Yeah, but did she at least leave you a note or a text and says, "By the way, I have your dog." She didn't do that. We got in a huge thing over it because oh, you came home on. and your dog's missing. Yeah. And then, so then I move, so then I move to where I live, but now where I live, you're not supposed to have dogs. So, and he goes crazy by himself. Okay. 
He's perfect. Like, see how there's people around. He's calm. He just walk around. Yeah. Do you want me to open the door? Can he go go in and out? I'll do that. It's so funny when you when he walks. He's so small and he he looks so light on his feet. But it sounds like a thousand people (laughs) tap dancing when he walks on a wooden floor. (laughs) So um, so I move and then uh, basically uh, um, I. When I moved to my new place, I give her the dog because she's got a cat, and he stays calm with the cat, and I'm not supposed to have dogs at my place. And then I ended up getting a thing that says I need my dog for emotional support, so now I can have the dog at my place. But we just split time because I'm gone so much and doing shows and this and that that I don't... It actually works out for you. It works out. It works out. Okay, and the dog, and obviously she likes the dog, so the dog, and the yeah. dog is happy. So yeah, he loves her, and she's got her, her, she's got her cat that he can hang out with when she's not home. So it's the perfect. dog does have big ears, huge ears, great ears. Yeah, a couple so, satellite dishes there, dude. So yeah, man. So that's that story. How old is the dog? Do you know? I think because it is a, a rescue, so you obviously don't. I know, think right? he's at least. I think he's about twelve. He's at least ten. Okay. Yeah. Which is and what is <clears throat> is there. Do we know what the oldest dog, how long the oldest no, dog No, but I actually lived? been talking to vets. I don't want to, you know. Yeah. But the vets, you know, food is healthier now for dogs. And oh, health care for animals is so much better now. Oh, the dogs are living. It's got to be. They don't, you know, a lot, all dogs are living, all pets are living longer. If you, if you take care of them and you feed them fairly well. Like, you know, back in the day, it was like, you never took dog, an animal to the vet and you fed them table scraps. And yeah. that's, they, they lived about nine years. Yeah. yeah. And, if, now, and, if, and if there was, there, the, the idea of surgery on an animal was something yeah. that was not around when I was younger. Like, no, there's uh, pet insurance now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. It make, and, and, and it actually can pay off. I know people that have used it and it's paid off, especially yeah. like for pets that have cancer and they, they cure them because wow. they can, because you can afford yeah. it. You know yeah. what I mean? They've got, because it's the same. Pet chemo. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah so, so you yeah, guys, yeah, so you, you share to, custody. Yeah. Share custody. And, uh, it's worked out okay for you guys. Yeah, it's so it's she doesn't helpful. steal the dog anymore. No, she doesn't. Have she to. doesn't no. In fact, she's got control. I got to call her to go get the dog. Wait, wh- do you, are you okay with that? Yeah, I don't uh, mind. Oh, uh, okay. All yeah, right. okay. You know, so yeah, so that's his story, and that's why I have him with me today because I don't want to leave him by himself, and I want to come do the podcast. Today's your guys' day together. Yeah, it's your guys' man. day. Do you guys Veterans Day? Do you go to dog parks and pick up women? Uh, is that part of is that does that is that a, a real st- thing? Is that a real thing or is that like a nineteen nineties thing? I don't know. I mean, I think it could still happen. You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Okay, I, don't, I didn't ask you if you had hope. I said, I have is hope. it something? I don't think that you do. I, I've never happened. I've taken him to Runyon oh, okay. and stuff, but I've never like scored a chick because I have a dog with. But him. I'll say this about Brian. I don't think Brian is calculated like that. You got to make sure you clarify will, who you're talking about. But I will say that. Yeah. There's he two would, Brian's here. Brian Swine, Swinehart. Swinehart. Yeah. The guy who would be hitting on chicks at Runyon, not <laughs> Brian Mustache, the guy who's fucking put his kid's flag football award on the fucking table next to me in some sort of weird brag. <laughs> yeah, the right, Brian, right the Brian below my Godzilla collection. Brian who sexes regularly. <clears throat> but I would think that you wouldn't necessarily not you, you wouldn't shun the idea of a woman. I wouldn't, I wouldn't shun. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, as long I definitely am open to it. You're open to, for women to talk to you anywhere you go. Anywhere. Well, but listen, a dog at a dog park is yeah. an easier way to have a conversation right. than the yes. old way, which oh, is man. sharing a cigarette outside <laughs> of a bar. Dude, yeah. right? I remember those days? Like, no, because I never smoked, but I, but I saw well, people do it. Yeah. It actually, because it's an instant connection, right? Oh, you have a cigarette. Do you have a light? Like, it's a natural conversation because most people <clears> don't. Right, I th- my theory always was yeah. it's rude 
if you ask for a light and then you don't at least converse with that person yeah. for a second, right? Is that that's considered back in the, the day? Part of it? Now, now it's like sometimes I'll have a lighter on me, but it's not for cigarettes since I don't want to stand next to somebody. Blowing you, sp- you have a lighter for conversation. No, but sometimes oh. I just have a lighter on me for you know what dubs and whatever oh, you know. Oh, if you okay. go out dubs. to a, sticks, you, if you if you go out to party, you got some marijuana yeah. sticks. Yeah. Well, cigarette. That's it's funny you mention that because smoking a cigarette outside the bar is how I met the dog's uh, mother. Ah, the joint custody. Yeah. So she was smoke. I don't usually smoke cigarettes, but at a bar and some lady smoking a cigarette. I asked her to bum her cigarette, and that's how we met. <laughs> Brian's like, I usually don't smoke PCP, but when I see two ladies smoking exactly. some PCP, right. I get in there. <laughs> what is that, that, you guys? Is that heroin? Well, is I mean, listen, I'll I mean, you know, listen, as long as there's a conversation, I don't usually with shoot it. up in my dick hole, but with two ladies talking, like, yeah. All right, well. Yeah, man. So you smoked a cigarette. That's how you met this woman. Yeah. And that's why smoking. So bad cigarettes, dogs, yeah. everything. Yeah. No, it's vaping is bad now. Va- oh, vaping is bad. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Buckle up, everybody. Um, here, come here, bestie. Buckle up, I, vapors. I think I can put him up back up. Yeah, you know, treat yourself. Treat so, yourself. Yeah. I always, I, 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 are you from Ohio? Yeah. That's right. I, I, I remember that. I was because you, you still have a little bit of the, which is, it's a lot of people lose yeah. over time because you've been here out in California how long now? Uh, I moved when I was, I've been here 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. And a lot of people over time lose the accent and get a little more of that West Coasty. I don't want to, I don't know what it is, but there's a, yeah, that's I, listen, I can hear it in my kid. I can hear it in my kids. They have a very, there's a, it's something, I don't know what yeah. it is. But I but. feel like you have a, a combo of that, like the surf style plus the Midwestern Ohio. When did you move out to LA? What, I mean, you say 20 years, but what was, do you well, remember the date? Yeah, I left on February 16th and I arrived on February 20th of 2000. And I rode with my neighbor, Bob Musner, a uh, Korean War veteran. Uh, basically, he was my second dad and he drove me out here and I lived in Pasadena. So, okay, so stop there for a sec. We're going to jump all over the place. He drove because he just wanted to help you move out here. Was that kind of his thing, first off? Yeah. And when you say he drove you out, it means you came out to California without a car? No, sorry. He rode with me out here. And then he flew back and home flew afterwards. Back. Yes. And why Pasadena? Because that's an interesting choice for a younger person to go to Pasadena. Usually it's the valley or anywhere of anybody that's a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend that you can crash on a couch. Okay. So what happened was I was at community college and in Ohio. And my teacher, she had a friend who lived in Pasadena. And uh, I was in acting class there, right? Uh, okay, and I loved right. it. And uh, in, in, at Back home. Back in, 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 in Ohio, Ohio. Okay. which is, uh, you know, a little less uh, chances to do stuff other than your local plays. I was going to say, a couple of local plays, maybe a Skittles commercial that <laughs> shoots there. Well, if you're lucky, the Skittles. Yeah. But this, you know, you, uh, the plays and that kind of thing, you know. Is it known for Skittles? <clears throat> no. Uh, okay. I'm just picking a thing. <laughs> well, no, he rolled with that one so quickly. I'm like, God, I didn't know you He's came like, you're from Skittle land. <laughs> if the Skittles factory decides like, to shoot uh, some promos. I grew up in Skittles, Ohio. <laughs> of course, we, we did Skittles. I continue. So. <laughs> that does sound like a real place. Skittles, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I moved uh, into Bernadette O'Brien's house. That was my landlady. It was. I think you say Bernadette Peters. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> that would make sense with the whole Steve Martin album and the jerk yeah. and continue and back to you. And yeah. uh, rent was. She, I lived in the attic, so rent was three hundred dollars a month. Wait a minute, did she know you were there? 
Yes. Yeah, okay. I just want to be clear. You, you signed a check over to somebody, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's that noise? in an attic for 300, <laughs> 300 bucks a month. Who'd you pay? By the way. The guy who helped me climb in the window. <laughs> this, guy, this, guy, this guy owned a ladder store next door. I had to pay him $300 a month. Guy used for the ladder. The ladder store. It's pretty good. <laughs> So um, was it a finished addict or was this like oh, one of those creepy awesome. ones where so, like it was no, you? I pictured Greg Brady's room when he moved upstairs, right? Yeah, it's yeah. basically she had a shower. Oh, so you up got there. mad and you stormed up there and never came out, <laughs> and that was your room. That would be a teenager move. Continue. Uh, oh, so it was a it was a yeah it was a finished. She finished, finished it up. She she said uh, she usually had college students there, but for oh, some okay. reason that year she didn't have one. I got the month of August for free because it got so hot. Oh wow! So that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So there's no AC up there, yeah. right? Yeah. So it was brutally a, a, yeah. a, a two thousand uh, summer. What did you do other than sweat? But I just sweat and dude, just, I was, did you stay out of there a lot? I, you know, yeah. I was so happy though because um, when are you not happy? By uh-huh. the way, well, you're always so happy. I, I am. Some, man, <laughs> yes, you know. I think you're angry right now. This is as mad as he gets. Yeah. All right. So back to all right. No, but so yeah. So you do you actually? Yeah, I, I get it. Like this, you're you're out here. I you're was 20 years old. I'm in I'm in I'm in California, Hollywood, California. And why? Well, because uh, you know I wanted to do. I had done. You know what originally got me going was my sister was a uh, great uh, tap and uh, dancer. Okay, and she was in a contest. It was basically one of these contests, rip Midwestern people off and have them come to Hollywood and do a contest thing. <laughs> they and pay to fly themselves they, out. They yeah, pay an entrance fee. Pay an entrance fee, all that. And my mom signed me up to do the acting thing. And, of course, I just ripped off the Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth monologue. Oh, God. <laughs> God, I wish there was video of that somewhere we could get a hold of. Oh, I'm sure there's a VHS Like an 18-year-old Brian Swinehart, like, you can't handle the truth. Crack his voice is still cracking. He's still going through puberty. <laughs> but that's good though. Yeah. So got you interested. So it got me interested, got me into it. And I, I really liked it. And at this event there was uh all these beautiful girls, you know, in California. I'm from that little country town. You know, Where exactly? Like You're like, do, 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 do. <laughs> exactly. Where exactly were you? It was that they did that contest at uh, a hotel. I don't know if it was a rat, some hotel by the LAX airport. Oh no, no. Where exactly did you live in, in uh, Ohio? In, oh, in Ohio, my town was called uh, Covington. I went also went to school in junior high at a place called Pleasant Hill. And where is that? If if, if I'm not oh, from there, is Dayton. it closer to Kentucky? Is it closer to? Yeah, we're well, we're closest to Indiana. We're an okay. hour from Indiana and uh, about an hour and a half from Kentucky. Okay, so you were right in between. Okay, yeah. all right. <clears throat> And what was the biggest city in Ohio that you were closest to? Dayton. Okay, what was the biggest city in Ohio that you were closest to? I'm just kidding. Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati. Okay, sorry, Cincinnati. No, Dayton's I'm just big. kidding. It was the, Dayton's like a middle type of town. Dayton's a very, uh, Dayton's a weird town. You know, you, I go home and I'm shocked at how many crime and shootings happen in little Dayton. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. For yeah, that's that a big one. Right by, uh, yeah, by the comedy club. By, Wiley's. Wiley's, by Wiley's, yeah. Yeah, so that was... Uh, yeah. So um, so you so you got your taste. So I got my taste. I was like, oh, I want to do this. I like this. And then uh, you know, being the genius that I am, I left college to come to California. Yeah, but hey, don't man. you? We've always talked about. Don't you kind of got to be a dreamer and a little bit stupid and just to, in order to just pack you, up and go? I think you have to be delusional. Yeah. Well, I think delu- uh, uh, I don't mean in not a, we're not all saying the way in a bad way. What we're saying is you have to have a certain level of like. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because nobody else is telling. Nobody's really saying. Come on out. We're gonna, we got right. we're gonna we're gonna hook you up. Yeah, I, I mean think, they may say that, but those are all lies. I feel like it starts that way maybe, 
But yeah. at the same time, <clears throat> I mean, I, I I feel like I've put my delusion to the side for the most part and just really just enjoyed what I'm doing. Right. But when did you move out here? Yeah. I'm also 20 years in. My that's my, my I'm, yeah. we're talking about the decision to because we're all from the Midwest. Yeah. And sometimes when you tell you like you tell people like this is what I want to do. A lot of people in the Midwest are like are you sure you want to like they're, 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 they're using logic and common sense? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. They've been raised with logic and common sense. It's stuck, and they're now trying to ask you, why don't you possess this same rationale? Yeah. You know, you're like, going to end up living with roommates until you're 50, right? Yes. Like, is that what you want? And you're like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And but then you realize that even though that might be happening, yeah. like it's that Bill Burr quote, which I love, which is like, it's not mm-hmm. crazy. To live on a futon with with five dude roommates, if you're pursuing something that you absolutely love, yeah, it's not crazy to go after your dreams. What's crazy is to settle or to go. This is my job now, and even though I hate every second of it, I'm going to do it for 55 years and not care. Like yeah. that's crazy. Like yeah. especially when you realize that there that we are basically living in a matrix matrix in the sense that none of this is necessarily um, some a, a reality that's going to exist. Um, past one second from now or in 5,000 years. You know, it's just like, eh. So That's a bummer. Thanks, Jeff. No, no, no. I don't mean it to be a bummer. I mean it to be a liberating idea of like, don't, there's no reason to follow what anyone says is normal or what makes sense because if it doesn't make sense for you, it doesn't make sense for you. How old were you when you got in the car and drove out here? Uh, 20. And I want to, so let's talk about your, uh, the the, the Vietnam vet that, was it Vietnam vet? Korean War. Korean War vet yeah. that came out. That, I think that's really cool that he was willing to share that journey with you out there. So where did, how did that all come about that he was like, I'll, I'll, I'll take you out there. Let's do this. So when uh, I love it when family gets, when like people get behind, you know, people's dreams. So when I was two or three years old, my mom and dad moved to the house where I've lived. My mom still lives there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got, they got me a babysitter down the road, Dolores Mutzner, and we called her Mrs. M. And her husband Bob and Bob and Dolores are my second mom and dad. Okay, okay. And that's that small town thing, right? That's you that, have that small other family. town yeah. thing. You, I mean, it's like boom. I mean, every everybody on the street, we know each other. It's a great street, but they are um, the you know they are my second mom and dad. Like I love them more than like it's, I can't even express the love I have for them. And uh, so when I was gonna move, everybody of course was scared for me and mm-hmm. worried. And Bob, he can come, he can fix anything. This guy, he's that, he's that. He's that, he's the go-to guy. Dude, he built, he built onto their house. He did, you know what I mean? He, he was, uh, he, he did carpeting when he was, you know, that's what he retired from, carpeting. And uh, so we got in the car and we drove, and this is, this is real cheap. Why did he decide to do it with you? Just out of curiosity. We asked him to, and he's going to say, yeah. I mean, he just that wanted was it. to. I think probably peace of mind for your mom. Peace of mind for you my mom. You just driving out from Ohio, like, because your mom is not, uh, she was not a West Coaster at one point. She was no. not, she never been out that way well like she, she came out when we did that contest with the jack nicholson monologue so then she's terrified <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, she's like go, this, by the way. i'm throwing my kid <laughs> to the thought. wolves essentially <laughs> yeah so let's try to at least send somebody with some survival skills right with him yeah yeah for a four-day drive this guy right? can survive the korean war he could probably handle hollywood <laughs> and maintaining some uh you know yeah. safety for my son yeah and uh you know we um we listened to so back then I like the Dixie Chicks. 
Dude, Earl Had to Die is a great song, dude. Or I liked uh, Earl Had to Die, but I like the one uh, Wide Open Spaces, right? I love God, that you're song. a woman. I All know, right. I was a little bitch, dude. So I'm putting the Dixie Chicks in. Bob's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Bob's like, I was under the impression you were born a man. What happened? <laughs> exactly, man. And um, so then we... Um, yeah, Bob, dude, here's what's crazy. So I had a job at uh, Dayton Power and Light. I read meters. So I saved up a meter reader. Meter reader. Crazy. Yeah, so I saved up, uh, I think I had two two grand, right? So I had two grand from that co- coming out. So uh, so that got you to Colorado? That got me too. Okay, good. But hey, Bob, can seem, you help me a little bit? But didn't it seem like so, like that's more money than I had when I came out? Didn't that seem like I had a like, credit card? I'm I was, I'm gonna, this is going to last like seven months. Yeah, that's God, right. Then you get out here and you realize, what do you mean a beer is $8? Yeah. Or you just want to go out and have fun because you're in California. You're like, oh, yeah. oh, I forgot going out costs money. What do you yeah. mean? Hold on a second. I have to pay to park? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that, yeah. There's some weird shit that's not yeah. like that the rest of the country. And then there's the 75 parking tickets you get the minute you get out here. Yeah. And show, you, you cross the border. They're like, hi, here are your tickets. Here are your tickets. <laughs> but I haven't even, oh, you will. I don't worry. <laughs> just, you just, we'll just let you know in advance. There's a couple areas just, that you've already gotten just tickets. Just start for. saving. There's 75 a pop. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's funny. I think I came out with $1,500 and a credit card that had a $750 max on it. Yeah. yeah. Do I, I mean, have like just, 600 bucks? I had to borrow $1,000 yeah. in Montana. Yeah, well, okay, we'll talk about that later. What you had to get, what you had to do to get that. So, um, so and I had four brand new tires. So there's a there's a gas station in our town. It was called Al's BP. Al live on my same street. Al know my family. I went to school with with his son. Al know my family my whole life. My father was a defense attorney. Al got busted for cocaine. Who was his lawyer? My Your dad. dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So at Al's station, there's a guy named Chucky, and I respect Al for hiring Chucky because Chucky is a deaf mute. Okay. Okay, and of course, in a little town, everybody knows him. Well, Chucky, he puts on the four brand new tires for my truck that I'm going to drive to California with. Do you think those four tires made it to California, or do you think three of them fucking broke? Did they fly off? No, they popped. Uh, So were they brand new, or were they just cheap? They were supposed to be brand new. I'm not for sure. Oh, okay. You so, didn't go back with the receipt? <laughs> hey, Chucky. Yeah. Well, first off, he couldn't drive back because he didn't have three tires. Yeah. Told me back to Ohio. So we get oh, so we imagine? get some tires. We lucky because we ran into this old guy. It happened in Texas. Uh, Arcana, Texas, or Texas? Arkansas. Arkansas. Texarkana. Texarkana. Texarkana, yeah. Texarkana. where they're, they're combining the states yeah. and Arkansas then turning into a city. Texas, yeah. okay. for whatever reason. So it happened there, and granted, we got no cell phones then, right? Still, I didn't have a cell phone. Yeah, no, there's no... The, 2000, dude. no cell phone. Well, you didn't us. have I one. I didn't yeah, have yeah, one. They were okay. barely... I mean, I was making fun of people with cell phones in 2000. Yeah. Because I was like, why the fuck would you want anyone to call you? Yes. That's stupid. Damn, I wish it was still like that. Dude, okay. me too. <laughs> so, so, um, so, uh, the dog came over because you slapped your lap. <laughs> Dog's like, what? I'm, I'm here. You, you calling me? Dude, you just call me? It's my bestie, remember? Sit. Uh, so, anyways, uh, sit. No, John, <laughs> sit. John, sit. <laughs> Calm down, John. But so, my, so Bob, he goes back to Ohio after he flies back to Ohio and he goes to see, Oh, and Texarkana guy was there to fix the tires, Mr. Wolf. And then we got, so I got some new tire, uh, you know, but are you remembering everybody? Mr. You just Wolf? Met? Yes. Yeah. Mr. Wolf. Forrest Wolf. Gump? How the fuck you remember? Everybody's I'll never forget name. him. He came, he helped us. He was such a character. To Mr. Wolf? No, I don't. Oh, okay. I'm, right, I'm we, hoping he's still alive. By the way, I, I, you're a great storyteller. And I love the fact that you actually remember people and you actually ask them who they are. 
Like the average person is yeah. just like you know, some guy showed up, yeah. put a tire on, and left. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, continue your story. So Mister Wolf hooked you up, hooked us up, and then uh, uh, you know we get here, and when Bob goes back, when he flies back to Ohio, he goes to Al trying to get my money back, and, <laughs> and, and Al says, "Well, where's the tires?" They're in Texas, motherfucker. They're in Texas. Now, here's the messed up thing. So, Al, question Bob. Bob ain't never told a life in his dang life, right? He's like the yeah. most honest. Honest dude. Honest. Man, if, you, if, you, if he goes to Arby's and they give him an extra dollar by accident, he's giving it right back. Right. You know, extra whatever. He would never. Thank you for using Arby's in that yeah, scenario. You yeah. know, and it's. No. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I don't, I don't know. know. About Arby's. It, I it makes sense. That was just funny. In like, this story, yeah, it does. that's the perfect example. <laughs> Continue. Fair. <Okay>. Fair. <laughs> So then, um, so so after that, Ed, uh, Al didn't give us the money back. That caused uh, a problem. So my mom, my sister, myself, Bob and Dolores never went to Al's again. Oh, there it is. So you got to figure the guy lost 20 years of business. Uh, yeah. I was going to say like eight people out Done of 50 you, in town <laughs> no longer go to you. That's Done with yeah. you, Al. But Al is probably the richest guy in town, so okay. I don't think he cares. So Al's not hurting? He's not hurting. Okay. He's not hurt. He owns the gas station. He just sold the gas station for I don't know how much for, and and there you know, and there it's you're you're you can own seventeen houses for like you yeah, know what I mean like yeah, cry out. dude you, you you the average house is I mean I look at my mom's house three bedrooms three bathrooms Jesus yeah yard like crazy it's like less than my rent yeah for a studio mortgage. apartment no, yeah dude yeah out here that's that's a seven million dollar home yes. Exactly. But, you know, we make the choices to live where we live. Well, so. it's a better lifestyle here. It's an easier, in it's my opinion. Be, it's better for your hair, I think. Yeah, it keeps it. Yeah. <laughs> the sun. You got to have that sun, sun in those, on those locks, dude. Yeah. That yeah. loaf, right, bestie? You got to keep that loaf fresh. <laughs> I should introduce you to James Hudspeth. You two have the best hair in the world, you guys. James yeah. used to work for me at the Herald. He's in Mexico City now. I'll see oh. if I can get him together with Cool. You. Yeah. Yeah, tell them to come I'll back for that. the hair can, party. Can I just put you guys side by side? Just do a hair podcast can you just for people fly back who really love for, visualizing for hair. So you guys could see each other's hair, and then you can go and go back to whatever you're doing. <laughs> um, so he got you out here. Yeah. Um, was he one of those kind of, was he old school, like, yeah, I don't need this big city crap. I'm good, kid. Exactly. We'll see you later. But though well, Pasadena is a good landing spot because it was perfect. that feels more Midwestern that than was, past. Pasadena was perfect. I love it. I still love it. If I, you know, if I ever have a chance to live there again, I probably would. If I, you know, if I can be a little more established and have a little steady income and have a, if I want to be outside, I, I think the Pasadena yeah. is a great place. It is. Anything, because uh, obviously I'm yeah, pretty close to right? east, yes. east side. So when you stay more east side, it's a little bit more uh, family I want to say middle class. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah Open, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, just the idea that you can step out here into your yard. Yes. You know what I mean? That Quieter. kind of stuff is, like, really nice to me. That's, yeah. what, I, that's yeah. what I enjoy. So, per, pa, moving to Pasadena was perfect, you know, and my landlady, she worked at Wardrobe at Paramount, so she got me started in being an extra. I thought you'd say she got you clothes. I was like, no. oh. Well, she did do that. She gave me this bomb leather jacket that... From Paramount Studios, I'm like, man, was this uh, Marlon Brando's jacket? Like, it was awesome. Dude, it's it, it for the wild if, ones. It is yeah. if you tell them it is. It is. Exactly. Yeah. Welcome to Hollywood. It's either exactly. that or it's the jacket worn in Critters 3. Now, <laughs> you you decide what you want it to be. That one might be made worth more money to most people these days. So, anyway. Um, so yeah, yeah, but that's but the kindness of strangers, kind of, right? I mean. It all that, was. Yeah. That's how we serve. But see, the thing is, that that's how I think, one, we get here. And that's how we survive here. Mm-hmm. Early, right? Yeah. The yeah, kindness of strangers. You got to have some help, you know. And uh, and Bernadette taught me a very important lesson. Uh, so she's an old Irish lady, and she's working at Paramount. And, and 
and she's we're up in this boot in this building where she's working, and down below there was they were filming the show Roswell. Oh wow, yeah. And she says to me, "See those kids?" I said, "Yes." She says, "Go ask them how they got their jobs. They're extras. That's what you need to go do." So I walk down there. Excuse me, guys. How did you get your job doing this? Oh, well, we went to Central Casting. You go on Mondays. I had a little pad of paper. I'm writing all this stuff down. You go on Mondays, this and that. You sign up, blah, 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 this and that. Now, here's the thing. Bernadette knew all of that. She just, yep. Bernadette was teaching me, if you want it, you got to go ask for it. And, uh, and then so I went to Central Casting and signed up, and I got an extra job on Freaks of Geeks. And, and Freaks and Geeks. Dude, that was a great show. Great Judd show. Apatow, like Judd, uh, that launched a million careers. A million careers. Yeah, you look at that cast on that <laughs> it, show. Every every, every one of them is, yeah. is James huge Franco was there that day. Yeah. I remember, like he was, uh, and so and I and Bernadette told me she goes, "What you need to do is get a, is get SAG vouchers." Okay, get so, a union. So there I am, the first day. I'm calling the central casting. Had a phone number line. You call to get jobs, right? I'm calling, and somebody answers. We got a rush call. Can somebody rush to the set? You know, to this job. I said, Yeah, I can do it. It was out in like Newhall. I didn't know how the heck, and I'm fucking. Yeah, I'm using maps at this point. No, yeah, Thomas right? guides and like I don't know. I'm looking at this, trying to figure out how to get there to Newhall. Newhall up the 14. Yeah, way out there. Yeah. I get there. I get to the show. The production assistant's name's Tennessee, right? The day goes by, and at the end of the day, I said, I said, hey, Tennessee, how do you go about getting a SAG voucher? First day. He said, it's your lucky day, man. I got one here for you. <laughs> <laughs> I come home. I go, hey, Bernadette, I got a SAG voucher. Are you sure? Let me see. <laughs> I said, that doesn't sound right. That was your first fucking day. <laughs> You're like, Bernadette, I got an Academy Award. Is that right? Did I do this right? Am I doing everything the right way? I asked how you get one of those, and they sent me over to the office, and then I gave a speech. <laughs> <laughs> so that told me, all that was telling me, man, you should stay, you know? like, Dude, but sometimes I think that shit happens so that you do think that. Because mm-hmm. that's what this whole, bu- every, this whole business is, like little nuggets we hang yeah, on to, right? Like, yeah. you like, I was ready to pack it in, and then someone's like, hey, you want to do Live at Gotham? I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe comedy's not for me. You want to do the Showtime thing? Yeah. Like, and those, are, those have equaled nothing. Except for me going, I did these things. And, but it was enough for me to go, all right, it's people, it was validating. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's valid. I mean, it is a business of validation, you know, and it is, but it is so true that what you say is like every time you're about to give up, it gives you something back to stay for. And then you look at the things, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies and he, he'd been on back when Jay Leno was on and he'd been on Jay Leno and he was telling me, yeah, but it, it hasn't gotten me anything, man. I'm not getting better gigs. And I said, dude, the goal was to get on Jay Leno. Like sometimes we want more than what it's. Yeah. You know, what I, you know, you, you did that goal. Now you need to move on and, move and on. set other goals. Yeah, set other yeah. goals. And uh, so, but uh, yeah, so I think that it's, you know, it's hard because it, the business does kind of keep bringing you back, especially on your, whenever you're on your last dollar, that one. Dude, it, it that is like, such a legitimate, like, I, I feel that more and more, like, and I, I've always been. I'm not good with money. Like, that's an obvious thing, right? Like, I did not save like I should have when I worked early on in production. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like commercials would last forever. Yeah. So I'd always book three, four commercials a year, right? Yeah. When that started drying up, it got, I got real desperate. And, like, some, there were times when I was, like, on my last dollar. Like, what am I going to do? And then it's, like, 
some crazy check comes through from some commercial I did five years ago or mm. like some new thing I just did or like things I didn't even realize were being sold overseas. All of a sudden I have a check for literally for being on Superstore for five minutes. Wow. And a check that'll equal something of value. I'm like, what? this is like... Just when you think you're like, well, this is it. This is how it's gonna end. It's yeah. like a, it's like a crazy this episode. This is how it's going it's to a end. Crazy episode of Batman where like, is it, are they gonna be crushed by the wall with spikes on it or? Nope. Guess what? SAG just sent you a direct deposited check. Yeah, <laughs> you did. He, um, the extra work thing is always it's. And I, yeah. we had a, another uh, uh, Rob O'Malley was like big into doing. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, Rob. I, th- I would feel like you guys might know each other, but maybe not. That sounds familiar. I, he would be. He was Brad Pitt's. Uh, oh, man. Stand I in this guy. I don't think I met him. I would remember that. Yeah, he was Brad Pitt standing for like. At Astra for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And oh, cool. He's like, he's to pit what you are to McConaughey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's, and, and the reason why I bring that up is it's like, you know, I, I worked all those years, you know, in production at yeah. the Herald, which I want to get to the, the time yeah. that you were there because I want to yeah. talk about because it, 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 it's it's a part of the subculture that as I, as I, the longer I was here, I, I became to not like, which is when I first got into production, they kind of like, we're like, yeah, those extras over there, man, I'm losers. Like, you yeah. got, you treat them like crap, and yeah. so yeah. I kind of got caught sure. up in that game for a second. And then over time, I realized, no, you, you get to know people. They're human beings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're people, mm-hmm. and they mean well. Yeah, every once in a while, when you get a large group of people, a couple over get annoying. But that's like that's life. The larger the group is, you're always going to get a little bit of wackadoodles. And yeah. I, I'll never forget, um, you were working on Key and Peel. Key and Peel. And you and I saw each other, and we're just, we're catching up, we're shooting the shit, you're doing nothing wrong, and that's, the second second came over, uh-huh. and remember, he was such an asshole to you, yeah. and I was like, and, and th- at that point, I had been doing the Herald so long, yeah. I just didn't care anymore, I was like, hey man, dude didn't do anything wrong, I called him over here, I was talking to him, he's a friend of mine, yeah. let's relax here, do you remember all that? Yeah, I remember that, And I, I was like, why don't that. you just relax, dude, it's all good, because I was like, I have no skin in the game, like, he can't get mad at me. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, don't, don't, you don't need to treat people like that. And I could tell, like, he got quiet, but he didn't like the fact that I talked to him, especially in front of you, right? Yeah. He hated the fact. But I was just like, it's just like, dude, you, you were like, what, five feet away from where you were supposed yes, to be? Exactly. But he had like this control complex of like, and I don't know how you, de- I'm just curious, like, how, how you deal, deal with, with stuff like that, because they, they have this weird mentality of how they talk to you. There's a little bit, it's condescending. It's not everybody. Con- not everybody. That, that specific person chose to be that way. Yeah. Some people don't. But I'm just curious as to what your experience has been with that. You know, so, first off, see, despite what everybody else might say about extra and whatever, I like it. I think back to when I worked at Dayton Power and Light. I look back to when I worked uh, doing mold removal, right? You put on those suits and you do. I'm like, man, this is the easiest job ever. Now, do I want to be speaking? Yes. Yeah. Do I want to be writing the show? Yes. Have those opportunities happen for me? They haven't. So I need to pay my bills. And I can do Postmates on the side or whatever. And I hate Postmates as well because it's a, you know, a harder job. You got to drive around, this and that. And you never know who you're about to deliver your stuff to. <laughs> well, I've had some embarrassing experiences. Ooh, we'll that. get to that in a second. So. <laughs> if you're willing to share. That's my, I mean, that would be my fear of doing that. It's like, oh. ding dong. Hey, man, didn't we just work together on that thing? 
Yeah, bro. Here's your fat sal. I was thinking of something else, go. but yeah. All right, but can, we, can we talk about that stuff? Are you over? Yeah, you don't I mean, have to name names. Okay. Just, yeah. I'd be curious to see yeah. like what that experience is like. But continue back to yeah, extra, yeah. Extra so, work. so, um, so yeah. So the extras, because you are right, because on most of the sets they treat extras, and I hear people talk because even when you're a stand-in, you're at a. See, they have such level. a high. Yeah, yeah. You're right? separate. You're yeah. separate, and then I'll hear people talking shit on the extras, right? And but to me. Doing extras as long as I have It's been my side job the entire time I've lived in California mm-hmm. Right? Whenever I need a job I go back to Central Casting and I get a job Yeah And uh, so um, When I hear it You know Because like we're talking about delusional and that The extras are the most delu- Are very delusional But I really admire uh, So many of them Because they believe They have something they're going for mm-hmm. And you And and, you know, it's hard because, you know, I've been in a lot of acting classes, too. And that's something that kind of bothers me is the way that some of these teachers will milk some of these people who you know aren't going to make it. Yeah. And that, like, kind of in the business gets to me. And it is hard to deal with the people who talk down on you. And, you know, I just kind of bite my lip and I'm like, well, I'm here on this job for one day. And then I'm, that's the extra. I'm here maybe two or three and I just take it because I know that these PAs uh, and ADs or second ADs or whoever, a lot of them are getting crap from somebody else. Sure. And they want to take it out on you. Yep. And they do think that the extras and the extra, extras are desperate, dude. They're all, there's, you know, there's 20 extras that day that want to get a line and probably nobody's going to get a line in the sure. show that, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, there's, it's, it's such a fine line because I feel you like there was a, a long, for a long time, I, was of the opinion, I'm like, come on, you guys are replaceable. Let's go. Do what we tell you. Do it. But you realize they don't get paid that much. No, but so and you experience the same thing. I'm talking about there is a culture, and when yeah. you get into the game, that's what you believe. Well, and it takes a while for you to kind of figure out. And it's interesting that you put up, you, 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 that's the one thing I never really pegged in the fact that. There, it, it is a top-down thing. So each person is getting a little bit beat up somewhere else, and then they're looking to beat up somebody. And it's like, it's just... And it doesn't happen all the time. Right. But you, it's funny that you notice, like, oh, maybe that's why this is happening, you know? Well, that yeah. speaks to your personality, because I would have been like, fuck you, you're an asshole. Like, I, you know what I mean? But what you said is correct. If someone is being rude to you or an annoying or mean on set, that's because the person above them is being rude or mean to them. You know what I mean? Like, it literally just goes all the way up. If 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 the person at the top, it, it does trickle down. If everyone is laid back, cool, and collected yep. and understands that all they're doing is making television or a movie, yeah. that shit carries through the whole production. It won't feel like work. Yeah. Everybody will have fun. It'll feel like you made a bunch of new friends. And in the end, you can look at something most likely that you will all be very proud of because when that kind of... Um, attitude goes into the work The work is good yeah, You know what I mean The work becomes better. better Now that's not saying A lot of people haven't gotten along On the set of some shitty movies I'm sure they have And also People have not gotten along On the set of like Movies like Apocalypse Now You know what I mean mm-hmm. So it, Everything is different And it's it, It's all Which is kind of the beauty Of the business as well Is nothing is the same And everything fluctuates And everything yeah. changes And every day is different And every job is different And every movie and TV show Is different and I think too, like you, there's one thing with a lot of the extras, right? There, they come in and like we're talking about being delusional on this and that. Some of these, some of the extras are kind of annoying because they think they talk in a way as if they're big time, and you know that they're extras, you yeah. know, and they talk real loud and trying to get. So those few people mess it up 
Yeah, for the rest of the people. For the other guy that comes in or the woman that comes in with a book and a chair and they just go sit in the corner and they wait to be told what to do. It's like any any large group of people. Like, as a whole, they probably all want to do the right thing, but there's always a few in there that you're like, God, you suck. And then that becomes the label for the group. Right. And that is unfortunate because you're right. My first experience with background was as a production assistant on Malibu's Most Wanted. Oh, cool. Uh, we were doing a... Or not. Yeah, we were doing a club oh, scene. Okay. I'm just kidding. We are doing a club scene at the end of the movie, and what I didn't realize at the time was a lot of the extras were friends of people on the cast and crew or people that just showed up. Like, they weren't necessarily... So a lot of them were essential casting, but it was all a big rush to see what they could get for free. Mm. And, like, as someone who's trying to control this, it was very annoying to be like for them to be like, um, I want to get this. I want that. Where are my Doritos? I want this. I was promised Doritos. I'm like, the extras are saying that. Yeah, I'm but like, they were. Okay, first off, who gets that excited about being tank. promised Doritos? Yeah. Dude, <laughs> honestly, you would have thought we were on a Dorito commercial and everyone was getting paid in Doritos. <laughs> I mean, I could see my kids saying, "You promised me Doritos yeah. yesterday," but it's like and they, never letting they it weren't go, happy but... with the craft service we set up there. They weren't happy with the amount of waters. They weren't happy with the cold water. They weren't happy with the nothing could satisfy this large group of loud idiots. Mm. And I was like. Like, you know what? Background can eat my balls. Yeah. I was literally. Wait, so is what happened? Did they eat your balls? <laughs> no, no one ate my Why balls. I'm just trying to, okay. <laughs> but well, I'll tell you what did happen. None of them got Doritos. <laughs> I made sure of that shit. You can have this bag of old Lay's. That's yeah. it. We used to. Yeah, that. That's so. It's, but I will tell you that one of the one of the things that they used to call. There was craft service. There was first team, right? Yeah, first And then team. there was crap service. That was the other yeah. table <laughs> that was left over for the extras. We used yeah. to, and, and sliced cheese. We used to nuts. joke. Baxter and I used to joke that, uh, you know, the the, uh, the lunches, the meals for the extras was always like, here's your box. It's uh, got a potato chips and a middle finger. So <laughs> a potato go, chips go, and a middle finger. So why don't you guys enjoy your meal while we over here have steak and lobster? All right. right. Thank you. Yeah. And there is some of that separation of that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, it's huge. That separation's right? Eat big. last. Do you eat last? Always eat last. But so do the PAs, though. You know, that's it. The PAs even eat at. It's like, it's funny how, and I get it. You kind of got to monitor. Yeah. They're, they're, that's part of their job. So then they eat last and they're on the clock. So they do a different thing. But it is, the hierarchy is so interesting in how they design everything. Yeah. Well, look at, look at. People like Snoop Dogg don't travel with clothes because wherever they go, people give them clothes. I know. Now, Snoop Dogg could afford to buy his own wardrobe every day over and over again for the rest of time. Yeah. Meanwhile, I am literally wearing a shirt that somebody gave me because I said I liked Slayer on stage one night. (laughs) So, like... Yeah. But that's good, too. Yeah. That is good, but it's also... I gave John a bunch of workout clothes. I told him he could never wear them around me. As long as he doesn't wear them, that was by rule. And you don't go to my gym, so we're good. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) Yet. But I'm just saying, like, everything becomes so backwards. It's like production assistants should be given free clothing because they go burn through shoes and their clothes all the time. That's a funny thing. It's like after a day on set, you're production. Dude, I've been doing locations for a show recently. Just on a a showing up first, leaving last. I'm not, I'm not even running around like producers and PAs and and everybody. I just, you know, I'm there at the beginning. I help park the trucks. I make sure everything runs accordingly. I sweep up at the end and I'm like, I'm covered in shit at the end of my day. I'm like, God, dude, I got to go home and take a shower. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You could be just sitting on set and you feel like you're covered in <laughs> filth by the time you're yeah. done. Ain't <laughs> Hollywood sexy? Yeah, that's the, that's the hilarious thing is you bring someone who's never, oh, you, you working on a set? Yeah, here it is. 
You enjoying this? Yeah. Why is it by a garbage can? That's where all our sets are. So a lot, a lot of people don't understand uh, the, the role of stand-in. So why don't you take us through like how you became a stand-in? Yeah, I was going to say, t- how, do, how did that happen? Because well, I feel and, like and what I was on a beach means. with no shirt playing bongo, smoking giants, and all of a sudden I looked next to me and it was McConaughey. <laughs> well, it was actually going down to your last dollar in the bank story. So I'm roommates at the time with Mike Circling, a comedian as well. I know Mike. Yeah, and we were um, uh, uh, at at the apartment, and uh, our other buddy Chris was over, and we were smoking weed. And I had just received an unemployment check that said, this is your last unemployment check. And you rolled it up. (laughs) I rolled it up and soaked it. (laughs) And so, um, you know, so we're all pretty kind of high and I'm kind of, and I'm sitting there with the, well, I guess it's time to go back to Ohio. I've been in California for 10 years or so now. I've given it a run. I've given it a run. I've had some good times. It's been pretty cool, but I think this is it. I don't know what job I can do. And it's like, you know, it's 2009. So and the economy's all shitty, right? Dude. You know, nobody's coming to the comedy shows. Three clubs is on his last leg, yeah. you know? And then, so I'm like, wow, I got any, don't, what, uh, you know, what am I going to do? And I wasn't getting any jobs. Even as an extra, I wasn't getting any jobs, right? And f- my phone rings. I, I pick it up. Hey, Brian, this is Gypsy from casting. Um, I was wondering, uh, we might have a possible job for you to stand in for Matthew McConaughey. Um, what's your level of stand-in experience between one and ten? What does that even mean? I was just like, what you, I'm like, you're like 10, bro. I can stand on two fucking feet. What do you need? <laughs> exactly. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Tell me where to stand. I'll stand there. Exactly. For fuck's sake. <laughs> exactly. What would, what if she, what would you, can you imagine her face? If you're going, I would say one and a half. <laughs> I'm like, I can stand, but I fall down a lot. <laughs> Not good at balance. I'm missing my pinky toe. <laughs> exactly, man. And I said, I said a ten. Yeah, and fifteen. T- I, I had never. Would you say? Yeah. What else <laughs> You'd would you be say, an asshole right? if you 10. said five, ten. I was like, <laughs> I didn't tell. I didn't know. I'd never done it. I didn't even, even though I'd been an extra, I didn't know exactly what to stand in. Do but right? you had a vague idea. I had a that vague Somebody idea. had to be there to light and block. Yeah, and for, I figured, yeah. dude, if I want to be an actor, I got to know how to be a stand-in, right? I got to know. First of all, the two are not connected necessarily. Yeah. No, but it was okay that he thought that way. <laughs> yes, whatever. Got you in yeah, there. I yeah. Said, so I said 10. She goes, okay, we'll let you know. Okay. So then um, uh, a few days go by, I get a message that I got a test. They're going to test me as a stand-in. I'm like, okay. So I show up to this. What is this test? Is it written? They, they put you in a room it's with a, a chair. If you sit in the chair, you fail. <laughs> no, he said it was a written test. <laughs> That's a funny choice. A what, is that, what is that, a chair over there? <laughs> if he goes for the chair, it's, a, it's just a sweet one, one-way mirror. Brian in a room and like a, just a group of people behind him. Like, if he goes for the chair, he's fucking done in this business. He'll never stand in his town again. I sat down. I was a sit-in. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the test? So Please the test explain was the I test. Go, and they were just starting with the red cam. Remember the red cam? Yeah, yeah. Sony Red. Out. The Sony Red just come out. So the digital. Di- yeah. So the director and, and, and uh, the DP were working with the the camera, and they had me in there, and they're doing different looks and stuff. 
And then they said, okay, we, we take off your shirt. Well, boom, I did it like in a second. I right? love this. Most people are like, oh, what is the, Brian's got his pants off too. They're like, sir, <laughs> no, 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 no. Slow your roll, Captain. Just the shirt, sir. <laughs> oh, I've been on the internet. I usually know where this leads to. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen videos. <laughs> so, I mean, I did, and they, they were laughing because they're like, man, you, you know, that, that, that it was like. That was know. quicker than McConaughey takes off his shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude. I'm like, I, I don't want to go back Did you know it was for McConaughey at this point? Yeah, I knew it was you for did. McConaughey. Okay. Now, had you been working out at this point, that's why you were willing to take your shirt Dude, off that I was not, I mean, I, no, I, I because I'd been just kind of smoking and hanging and, you know. Oh, like ice cream that, and weed. Yeah, okay. you know, and I had that, you know, because that was about. So you had like a Tom Brady draft picture look. If I was lucky, I don't think I had. A, I mean, you know, there was. It's funny because in one of the scenes, McConaughey's in a wife beater, and they put me in a wife beater as the stand-in, and the PAs were giving me all kinds of shit. <laughs> like, they're like, "Are hey, you kidding me? Look yeah. at that!" Hey, McConaughey fats. <laughs> exactly. Hey, McConaughey tits. Let's get over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we do this little test thing, right? And then they told me, "Well, okay, if you get the job, it's gonna shoot on." Um, you know, Monday the 21st. I forget when it was exactly. I said, okay. And uh, I I didn't have a car, right? I didn't have, my car had gotten hit, so I didn't have a car. Well, my roommate, Mike, went up to New York. He goes to New York for the, for the summer to visit his family and teach summer school. So he said, you can borrow my car over the summer if oh, you get a job. Oh, yeah, buddy. So uh, I, uh, I, I, that Monday comes around and I'm calling the extras place. Did you hear anything about hey, this anything? job? Yeah, yeah. Because that's part of it, right? You you have to check in, right? There's like times, check in times, something like that for the call in. Um, Is that how that stuff sometimes works? Sometimes there are. This they now it's more of like they message you. Now it's a little different with okay. texting and stuff. But oh, yeah, okay. you would call and check and see which jobs are going. But I was like so worked up over this job. I would call, you know, has any, you know, anything happened? No, we'll let you know. Okay. Because it does pay better as well, correct? It pays better. And it would be, a, and, it, and the thing was too, it was a straight six week job. And so it, every had, day, man, every, every day. day. I mean, if Matthew McConaughey's in a movie, chances are he's in about every scene. Yeah. So you're working so all you the time. So you know about a regular check, like you're all this all stuff. All this. Yeah. I'm going to meet Matthew McConaughey. I'm going to meet the director. I'm going to meet yeah. the, the people. Be on set. Yeah, be on set. Be a, on set. Be That's on set. key. No, no unemployment. No, you know. You're doing something. Doing something. So uh, uh, I, uh, I, that Monday comes and I don't get, the call. I don't get a call. Except Friday, Saturday, no call. So fuck. I'm not working on that Monday. So I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck. Then Monday night at 7 p.m. rolls around. Get a text. Your book tomorrow. Stand in. Uh, Lincoln Lawyer. Matthew McConaughey. Call time six a.m. Lincoln Lawyer was the first one you did. For Lincoln Lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Did you see, did you see the pic? Because it's on Prime now. Uh, There's I've a picture it, of him though. and Sandra Bullock that's like a billboard. It's like right near Paramount. But I was like, I saw the picture. And the first thing I thought was like, it looks like a Bennigan's commercial. <laughs> I got to see it. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I've seen the movie a bunch, obviously. Yeah. But but, but go ahead. So that's so, awesome. Yeah. So was, so I'm awesome. So I get there and I still kind of don't know what I'm doing. But one of the other guys tells me, okay, you got to stay close to the director of photography. Don't mess up with him. Now you know it's all personalities, right? Like you said, that one PA hated me for some reason. AD didn't like me for some reason. Well, I get to the shoot. It's the same director and DP that did there for the test. And his DP and I, like that. Loved you. Yeah, buddies, right away. Then, then boom, just about the same age, just boom, buddies. And uh, so I was lucky. Now, the whole time, I'm scared of losing my, the job because the Ryan Felipe stand-in, they had three different stand-ins. They just, no shit. Why is that? Um, I kept sitting down. He <laughs> 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 kept sitting down by crafting. Because you do have to stay on set all the time. You That's the thing. You have set, to stay near. These guys were actually better stand-ins than me because they had done it before and knew what they were doing. 
No, when you say know what you're doing, though, aren't you just it's taking easy. direction? Yeah, you're just taking but direction. Initially, though, you're like, okay, I don't know what's going it on It can right be intimidating now. because it's everything. It's director, DP, lighting, grip, scaffold. You're like, fuck. Yeah, and you have to watch... Uh, uh, what they do And then You know when you first Have a job That you take it Ten times harder Like now I get called for stand-ins For people And sometimes I get A little complacent You know Like I watch the scene But I won't write down their, Like I would write down Every move this guy did Okay So basically They they have a rehearsal And you watch them rehearse Okay And let's say that The scene is It's in the courtroom Okay And uh, McConaughey is uh, Interrogating the witness So I will watch Okay Well he says His first line Then he stands up He walks in front of the desk And then he put his right hand On the back of the desk And then he walk up And then he uh, Is interviewing the person And he stood right there And he did this With his right hand And I would write down everything Right I would really mimic him And basically That's how I look at it Is I'm Mimicking him so the, they can light him and they make can him light look good. Him and, and make it look good, and they won't have to rearrange the lights because if I lean over one way too much or something, it could, you know. So I just kind of make notes on what he does and then mimic him the best that I can. And sometimes they change it when they actually do the scene, or sometimes, but basically, you know, it's just a, a job of, of, I think, mimicking, you know. Uh, now, was everyone else as intense as you were? No, they loved it. And that, and they so were they the, were watching the director, you like so. He, the so director were, loved it. He's like he he asked McConaughey, "Does all of them right now?" What he goes, <laughs> he rolled his eyes. McConaughey's like, "Fuck no, bro. No, they don't care." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they um. It's all right. Is though. that is that, spo- is that are you supposed to do all that stuff? Well, see, I do it just because on that, you don't have to. Now that I've done it for a while, you don't have now to. Now you but, can watch the scene and go, okay, these are the movements. These are the movements. But first job, never done this. Yeah. to death of getting fired because Ryan Felipe is standing who's done it before. And why were fired. they getting fired? Because they just weren't doing anything? They weren't doing it. I think it was just like... I, well, I don't know why they. I, I don't if know. If they have to keep asking you over and over to do stuff, does that annoy them after a while? Yeah. Like, Look, if you're if, yeah. you, if you're is. somewhere they can't find you, yeah. More than twice, in my opinion, you're you gone. are fucking replaceable. So yeah, it's it like is a replaceable it's, job. It's, it's, it's very like, easy. Yeah, but background stand-ins, like you can get those people. Yeah. With a phone call, yeah, and they'll rush down to, to work. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, and. But, but in a way, like what you were doing, you're next to the director. The director always knows where you are. Yeah. Everyone knows where you are. You're sitting there writing down everything. They might think it's nerdy or whatever, and they might laugh at it, yeah. but like you're there. Yeah. So when they go, second team, you fucking, you're right there. And not, yeah. where is he? Oh, he's in the bathroom. Oh, he's a crafty. Oh, he's fucking, yeah. you know, 15 yards, of f- 15 football fields away before. Like, yeah. and, and imagine, and some people, you know, using television as an example, man, if you get to a stand in on a show that goes on for like a decade. Yeah, you can make I mean, the money. you're working. You're, you've got a, You have a job. Yeah. You have a pension. See, that's one thing about the so the extras and the stand-in thing that uh, a lot of people don't know is that I'm pretty close to getting a pension. No kidding. As SAG actor. Wow. And, yeah, I'm think. I, I think all I need is like maybe four or five more good years, and I will hit a pension. Are you? Are you? Are you Matthew McConaughey's full time stand-in? Mm-hmm. I haven't no, done okay. it for 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 years. I haven't done it for a while. It's kind of just that. Uh, because uh, sometimes they do keep people, right? They do. Because you, you fit the body type and you're easy to work with. So, yeah, and, and he and I got along great. Then he went to Texas and some other places, and I kind of. Oh, because you didn't do the. Uh, you I, don't do the out of town stuff. Yeah, and I wasn't following. I wasn't keeping a good pace on where he's going and this and that. And I start with the stand up and everything, traveling. You're busy trying to also trying to be Brian Swinehart in ex- front of a camera. Exactly. Can I ask you a question, exactly. though? Is that when you say you weren't f- not in a stalking way, but not following him around. Is, it, is that part of stand-in work if you wanted? Is good, you kind of have to establish a yeah, relationship with these co- people? Yeah, I got some, With the actual 
performer or with the people that work for them? The people that work with them. Now, his driver was great, but his driver, that was his last movie. Okay. Working with him, and he and I got together great, and it's, you know, so, but, um, yeah, you kind of just have to be in touch with the production company, the casting people. I mean, that's a job in itself. Yeah. And, and it's free work, right? Because that's just, and that's you're not, networking. Yeah, so then it's kind of like, am I doing that, or am I going to be hitting comedy clubs, messaging them, or am I going to, it's a little of everything, but it's right. also, but, it's a... It's that's a that's another job in itself. You know, that's another probably I don't know eight or ten. It's at least a ten hour week probably researching, finding right. phone calls, this and that. So, and I love doing a stand and I count my blessings for the job. It's just not my it's not my goal. No, and I think that you know I like this one motivational speaker I hear on YouTube all the time, Les Brown, and he goes, most people don't get their get what they want not because they didn't get their goal. They made their two their goal too small and hit and i kind of feel like that a little bit if i i mean i want to do standing jobs extra jobs they give them to me i'm going for them but i don't want to make that my target that i hit that's and not then your I, focus then i can't get to what i would really like is doing a you know 30 45 minute comedy special or right you know having a role on a sitcom or something like that i think there's there's so much of that that we because i do the same thing where i want to be involved in production any way I can, you know yeah. what I mean. So, so I, I take a job as locations, or I take a job as a producer, or I take a job as uh, a driver, or whatever it is, just so I can be, so I can feel like I'm working in the entertainment industry, which I do love. I love everything about being on set and yeah. all of it, that the, everything that goes with it. But then, like you're right, you work a 12, 13, 14 hour day. My first thought isn't, man, I got to go hit the stages, dude. My first thought is, I got to go get my, take a shower and go to bed. Like, yeah, so, so I can get up again tomorrow seven. To do, to do it again for like six weeks straight. So the, the beauty of most productions is that they don't last that long. You, yeah. There's an end point. So while you're doing standing work on a movie, you can be like, okay, when this movie's over, I have to be prepared to hit the ground running and hit yeah. stages and go to do comedy, get back into it or yes. whatever it is. But like, it's very hard. Uh, you want to be involved in everything as much as you can, but some some things will just suck your energy they out, do. and it's fucking it's hard yeah. to maintain. It, you won't get as many spots. Now, I will say, when I was working on Lincoln Lawyer, that was a uh, it was all in L.A. and it was six weeks, right? And uh, I didn't have a car at the time. Like I said, I was borrowing my my friend's car. And when I would have shows, I was I I made a bounce. You know how you make bounces in your career? Like you're you're at this level. Let's say I'm, I was like at the this kind of lower level and then I got that job and I had money and all of a sudden I became a better comedian it was weird because I would hit the stage and my friend so my friends swine you getting better you well, know, because and I was because I had a confidence of oh I got money in my chip pocket yep. I have a new job I can now swagger do, you know and I, I had confidence and I wasn't getting on the stage as much I'd be on stage just mainly on the weekends right but uh, I, I had improved and I think the job helped me and then of course I got a bit out of it and uh to kind of wrap things up too, so in the movie Lincoln Lawyer was Brian Cranston, okay? Yeah. And um, my friend Mike, who let me borrow his car over the summer, was one of the first Breaking Bad fans. You know how Breaking Bad kind of was going? It took and it a second. Took a second in people. But right when, from the very beginning, he was talking about Breaking Bad, got me watching it. Wow, this is cool. He knew, and he would like watch it twice in a week, right? His guy was loving that show. So there's a rap party for Lincoln Lawyer. I bring Mike. Cranston's there. Cranston's there. Mike got like a one-on-one with Cranston for probably 45 minutes, dude. Wow. Those guys just went. Mike's asking, what's about this? Blah, 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 blah. And Cranston just sat there with him. Boom. Talking about it. Boom, boom. And to this day, Mike's still like, 
Dude. Yeah. And I'd you don't forget that when, when somebody that you think is, is su- such a worthwhile talent yeah. takes time and treats you like a human being and, and is cool discussing their shit with you. Yeah. You never forget that. Yeah. Uh, and that's never, great. Yeah. And so I had the money. I took, I, for, so by the time the movie was over, I had set back uh, three grand for a car. So uh, I put that into a car payment. I got a Prius, not a Lincoln, but uh, I got, I got <laughs> a Prius. Prius I'm a Prius lawyer. Prius, right? <laughs> and then a couple years later, I get booked to stand in for McConaughey on one of the Lincoln commercials. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking hilarious. And then I use that check to make the final payment on my car. Interesting. Thank you, Matthew McConaughey, yes. for your illustrious career yes, exactly. and helping Brian Swinehart pay his bills. Yeah. That's, right. <laughs> that's fantastic, dude. Yeah, man. That's great. Yeah. Dude. So that's the story of Hollywood. And it's, it's weird, man. I almost want to write a book called Life in the Background. The story of a guy from Hollywood trying to make it. Dude, you know? that is not... First of all, that's a great title. Yeah. But let's talk about that for a second because you do... We'll get to the fingertips. Don't worry. We're not oh, going to... Oh, we'll get to that too. Okay, We're cool. getting to the fingertips. But but I do want to talk about how you... In, <laughs> in all this, like with doing background work, you've been... I mean, I met you doing comedy yeah. fucking 20 years ago, man. Like I met... You yeah, started around the same time I did. Yeah. My first, my first gig was in 2002 at uh, Miyagi... Yeah, Miyagi on Sunset, Sunset Boulevard. We had to we had to perform in front of the uh, fish, the bridge, the bridge, some fish. Yeah, was oh, it Amagi's? Um, I was at Miyagi. Oh, where was? Well, there's two. Miyagi. There's uh, the one. Amagi's is they're the both one on Gower Sunset. Gower, and that's closed now. That's Amagi's. Okay. Amagi's. Sorry, Amagi's. Amagi. Yeah. My uh, first game was gig was Amagi. At Amagi's, where they where was us? It was comics versus uh, people waiting to come in to do karaoke. Yeah. Well, yeah. they eventually and just karaoke separated. Won. Karaoke was in the other room, and yeah. it was always packed. Yeah. yeah. The but there was that guy. There was a guy that ran karaoke there with a big pot belly. He was always mean and angry. I remember. I used to run shows over there. So anyway, continue. But it was a good spot, Amagi. So my first gig was Amagi, and then, uh, you know, it was a bringer. And uh, didn't, and all that happened coincidence. So, uh, you know what? I was at a nightclub in Beverly Hills for some reason, right? And yeah, you oh, were with that. Of course I was, right? I was, tw- I was 22 hair, at dude. the time. You're like, yeah. I am getting some. I'm a 22 with a leather jacket from the lady who worked with ah, <laughs> I was feeling good. I'm Pussy good. magnet. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. To go back to those days with the knowledge <laughs> I have now, it would be all over. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it! So, uh, and I meet this guy, and I give every, and he he sees these. He and I are talking, and we see these two girls, and I, and he goes, "I like that one." I said, "That's cool. I like them both." Okay, good. So you guys have claimed ownership. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we and we start talking to the girls. I give everybody a piece of gum. He says, "You must not be from L.A. You share." <laughs> I said, no, I'm from Ohio. And his name was David Banks, and he was doing comedy. Do you remember David Banks? David Banks, that name is familiar. Yeah, he, he's funny, dude. And he was doing TK shows, right? He was a funny guy, but he, he ended up becoming, he's ended up being in over 100 commercials. Wow. Yeah. So um, so he invited me to the comedy show, and I was actually, it was on a Sunday at the Ice House, right? And I was living in Pasadena, but I was at my friend Garrett's uh, barbecue. And everybody was telling me, stay for the barbecue. And I was like, I want to go watch this comedy show. And I went to the comedy show, saw David do his thing. I was like, this is awesome. How'd you get involved in this? And he pointed me to TK. 
And then TK, for those of you who don't know, is uh, does bringer shows, which means you have to bring five people to the show in order to get on stage. And he asked me, hey, can you get five people to come to the show? I said, man, I can get 20. All my friends will come see that <laughs> once. <laughs> so what I know. <laughs> and, of course, 20 people come to Amagi. And, and now you're the you new eat, hero. You eat a pile of shit, and then they don't come shit. again. But, 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 but uh, TK convinces me I'm good because I got 20 people there. Yeah. And then the next show he sent me to the ice house which you don't want to send a person especially who was as terrible as me their second time you know well actually the ice house can be a pretty fun audience for people that uh don't necessarily have it in them yeah yet, but my you know. show went so bad oh, oh and then that was like and i'm sitting in the attic on the second on the second floor of the attic the day after thinking should i jump should <laughs> nah, i jump? i mean I'll you probably, probably just would have just, just gonna say <laughs> yeah. you just gotta i would just dislocate a knee and then i'd just be annoyed <laughs> yeah um, well, so it didn't go well, but you, I mean, you kept at it. I kept I at mean, it. There must've been something about it that you liked enough. You know what, it, you know what it is still is for me is, um, the fact that I did bad and I knew I could do better and even like sort of trying to prove to yourself. Yeah. It's kind of like prove I can do better than that. Even this, you know, and e- and even now, you know, I've improved a lot, but you know, I, I had a gig, uh, Saturday at the laugh factory. It went, it went really well. However, I know I listened to my tape and I saw I saw weaknesses, I saw flaws. And I'm like I can do better. That's something that I think keeps me going because I always think I can do way better than and when hey, when you start as low as I did, it can only go up. <laughs> yeah. You Dude, know? I mean, there's I always I feel now, I mean, you were you were a guy trying to find your voice. When I met, we were all yeah. trying to find our voice. Like right. I would go on stage and literally ripped jeans and talk about how I stole my clothes from a dead body at Hollywood Park. Like yeah. we all tried whatever you yeah. wore a gray suit with a red boat yeah. you look like fucking peewee herman for like the first year and a half yeah you did comedy you know yeah. what i mean like we're all trying something yeah so the fact that you know because we all ate giant huge piles of just mm. garbage when we started so mm-hmm. to, that that's that when you think about the people you start with because brian talked about this a lot like they, they all fall off like that when you think about everyone that was around you when you first got into comedy and the people you would see at those shows, they've all, almost all of them have fallen away. And there's like 2% out of every group that make it. And that's what we're left with now is we're all the 2% from these other kind of subgroups that hung out. And, and Andy and, Sandberg's the 1%. Well, Andy Sandberg, I mean, I still love telling the story how uh, we, we would sit at the back of El Dorado and make fun of people. And then one night I saw him at Jerry's Deli yeah. with uh, Jorma and uh, the other guy and they were... They were writing, and I was almost borderline blacked out. And I was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're writing sketches. And I go, sketches? It's Friday night, dude. Get out there and live your life. And um, uh, I, I don't think he heeded my advice. And now he's <laughs> got a little show called Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah. which I would love to be on someday. <laughs> yeah, um, right. yeah, dude, that guy's got had an incredible career. Yeah. But, but think about the amount of people we've seen that have that, that that have risen to the top like that and then the ones that just go bye-bye yeah i mean there's so many bye-byes and it's like some of them were you know i mean because when you're starting everybody everybody was getting into it and there's uh yeah i mean out of our group what is left you know i mean it was because that's how i kind of look at it we got we got a few of us left yeah. but i mean yeah, but I mean, TK is still around. He's still like... He still is the number one bringer shows. Well, and legitimately, uh, I know that there are people that want to like kind of, I guess, mock him or make fun of him for doing what he's doing. But dude, without him, yeah, I don't get the amount of stage time no, we don't. starting out. And you know what? As much as you know, people can in, get upset about bringer shows, 
it teaches you a skill set that you need the rest of your career. Yeah. Because like even when we did the show at the at the improv, well, if we don't get some people out to the show, guess what? We're not coming back again. Yeah. Because it's all a business. Yeah. So if anything, he he is teaching a business model, you know, yeah. that you can learn from. And <clears throat> it is kind of frustrating that you gotta, you know, that somebody's gonna be making money off of your people. I understand that that that's a frustrating thing to some of the comics, but to me, it's a it's a small price to pay for the for the grand scale of things. And also, the idea is that you don't have to keep doing those shows for very long. Right. Like like the comics that he has there now and his shows aren't the same comics that were there three years right. ago. You know, it's like yeah. the turnover is you do those shows until you don't have to do those shows. Yeah, you, you usually do them for two or three years. And yeah, and and then after a certain point, I kept telling him. I was like, look, I don't have anybody coming. And he'd yeah. go, yeah, you can still go on. I'm yeah. like, okay. So that's kind of how I knew I was ready to not necessarily do those anymore. Yeah, because like, now no. you're getting booked to be a, yeah, to be I'm just, just booked. a comic. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's a, yeah, because that's part of our business is getting people to the shows. And it's like the most, I mean, your set is the most important thing. That's your show. But then the business is getting people to the show. Yeah. And we, I mean, because we know a lot of guys that are super funny, but they don't have people coming to the shows. And when you go to book a show, even though they're killer, yeah, you're like, man, I'm gonna get. If I'm in charge, I'm gonna get smashed down by the 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 club or the bar, or the restaurant because I don't have people here. Yeah, and then it's kind of like, ah, there comes a compromise. Do I book this other guy? You know, like, yeah, I gotta put this guy on who can bring thirty people. Yeah, as well as this dude who can crush the crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's totally true. Now back to Postmates. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, Postmates. Yeah. But I'm serious about Postmates. First off, because I don't really understand it. I'm just curious. <laughs> I've always tried to, I, I avoid, like, the, it's like, it seems like the older I get, the more I avoid, like, as much contact with human beings as possible. Right. Like, on a, on a regular basis. I mean, I still like being around people, but yeah. that's kind of one of those ones, like, when you said that, I was like, oh my God, do you get, as you're dropping stuff off to strangers primarily. And I'm sure you, I mean, I know he was joking earlier, I'm guessing you, you may have dropped off on people that you know as well, but. Yeah. The, is there anxiety in that kind of stuff, or do you really just don't care? It's like I'm just here's your stuff. Or do, when when I say anxiety, are you worried that you're gonna run into like nut jobs that are just oh <laughs> like just like I don't un, I, just what is it and and what is it like it, what kind of experiences have you had being doing that kind of stuff? Well, you know, there's an anxiety to the job because you're you're going to you know to pick up food, so you got to find parking, right? You got to find. Then you go into uh, the house, and you know that you look it up on your GPS thing. But you know, it's like you know, come here. If somebody were to dro- drop off food here to where you live, there's like these weird streets you turn. You might miss. Yeah, you, it gives you the address, but you can't really see the address. <laughs> and you got to park. It's like so. There's all this kind of. And kind you're on a time limit as well. You, yeah, you gotta you gotta want to get the food there quicker because you might get a tip or whatever. And um, you know, it's a to me, it's a side job that I I really don't like to do. However, if it's the end of the month and I need to get that rent done, is it like Uber? You just clock in. You just clock in. Okay, and that's what I like because I I really uh can't have a regular job that you know if i if i'm working at a restaurant well for a while when i was first starting stand up i did bob's big boy in burbank i was a waiter there yeah, i like and bob's I, big boy. I love it there and i loved my car job. night huh? do you like cars oh, so yes. so you got car some cool cars awesome. yeah. 1950s car all the all the old cars so i like that job but then you know once you start kind of once i started working more as a comedian and uh, i would get to leave uh town on the weekends then you can't do a regular job right? right you can't go you know if you do a thursday through sunday job gig out in another town you can't be so i can't really keep a regular 
job uh, as far as that goes. So Postmates is kind of perfect for that as far as just going to pick up uh, pick up food and stuff. But it's, it is uh, stressful, and it's a lot of wear and tear in your car. And uh, yeah. I, I don't like it, but I do how, it. How is the drop-offs for people? Like in general, is it, is, are, the, are most deliveries are pretty quick, right? You just you you, stop at Postmates, I'm here, here you go, thank you. Have you, got, have you gotten to anybody that's like creeped you out a little bit? Uh, or no, or is it has it been that bad? N- no, I've never good. I've never got any creepy people, but yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a guy that I think most people can tell is straight, so I don't think that you know. <laughs> hopefully, I don't. John, give me a look. Maybe not, but it's questionable. No, you're okay. also not delusional. Like you're like, well, I'm, I'm assuming at least fifty percent of my deliveries are going to be with women whose towels are going to fall off right. when they answer the door. Yeah. Right? You watch yeah. enough porn tube, you're like, yeah, <laughs> I think I know how the delivery game is played. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't had any. Yeah, I've never had any. So anything. nothing weird has happened. Nothing weird. That's no, good. No, I never even had. Uh, I've never even had no chicks like meet no, no. No, I mean, I I heard some guys get girls' numbers doing it. I've never had any. Shit I, like I, that. that guys love creating myths for themselves. Yeah. The um the the um yeah that. But was it? Do you have an area, or can you clock into any area depending on where you are at that you can, time, you or do wherever, you just you can do wherever you are? Okay. So I've done it before, where I had a gig in Brea. And a gig finished. I want to make a couple extra bucks on the way. Oh no, home. kidding! And boom, logged in, got a couple drops, and then interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, have you have you had experiences where you've ended up delivering to people you end up knowing? Yeah, and it's crazy. I'll tell you this this story because uh, it's uh, it's weird because um, usually the Postmates is it, it, you know I I do okay. I kind of keep my calm demeanor, right? But on this particular day, it was a Saturday, and. Um, and uh, I get I get a order for a coffee. Okay, so I'm just a co- a coffee. A coffee. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go pick up. <laughs> is that rare? To somebody will just no. order a coffee? No, no. People are fucking lazy as shit. Yeah, it's not rare. And <clears throat> where it was, uh, was it a Saturday? It was either, maybe it was a Sunday. It must have been a Sunday because a farmer's market was going on. Oh my god, we were on Larchmont. It was on. Uh, it was in um, Studio City oh, okay. by the bank. Uh, yeah. and by the Ralphs and all that. Yep. And uh, so there's all these people. So parking was crazy hard to go get the coffee. To go so get it was, the it was coffee. getting. Are the, are the coffee orders not like like Starbucks? They're for like specific plate, like like offshoot type of places or like unique places. Is that, that what the coffee pla- orders that place are? Was called. Uh, it was not a Starbucks. It was called Albert or Al- okay. So Alfred's? it was Alfred. it was something specific that was not like yeah, it was a not, typical. Okay, yeah, got it. All right. So they, Hence so the reason why you had trouble parking and all that kind of stuff. Had trouble yeah. parking, yeah, and the streets blocked off as well because there's the farmers market. And people. I don't think about the. I always forget about the pickup part of it, not the Dude, delivery, the but the pickup part. Sucks. The pickup part sucks because you know, and I could already understand why this person didn't want to go down there because I'm like, dang, they probably didn't want to go and park. That's why they're ordering this coffee. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, they probably want to park down here in this nonsense, and they'd rather just <laughs> send somebody else. To yeah. Do it. I'll pay to. I'll pay for the convenience of not having to go. Yeah. So then, uh, they, as I'm picking up the coffee, they ping me with another delivery across the street, uh, to pick up uh, uh somebody's breakfast. Right. So I walk into this restaurant, and the guy working at the restaurant says, "Oh man, well, we got a little messed up with the order, and we haven't put it in yet." I'm like, "You haven't put it in yet?" He's like. No, we haven't put it in yet. It's going to take like another 20 minutes. Now, the problem with Postmates is they don't have anybody you can call to tell them, yo, I got a coffee sitting here that's going to get cold in the next 20 minutes. And uh, what am I supposed to do with this other order, right? And so by the time you email them, some of the food's going to be Yeah, ready. yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to chill and wait for this this food to come and take some deep breaths and... 
you know, watch some YouTube and try not to get, you know, crazy, right? <laughs> I always watch YouTube on my phone as I'm waiting for this. Yeah. You know. Whatever calms watch, your nerves. Watch Les Brown say, it doesn't matter where you're at now, it's only temporary. <laughs> as you're drinking that person's coffee. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> oops. Uh. <laughs> so, so, um, so the food, 20 minutes, 25 minutes later. Okay. Of course. Just like production. Yeah. We'll be done in 10 minutes. Yeah. Hour three later. hours later. Yeah, three hours later. <laughs> so finally, okay, so now we get to, I got the, I got the coffee that's been sitting there for a half an hour. What did you, did you, did you, did you ask them to heat it up for you or anything? I didn't, I wasn't that smart. That would have been a good idea. Uh, but okay. I didn't, I didn't do that. Okay. I don't know so where this stuff, I'm already feeling bad for you. Continue. Yeah. So then, uh, <laughs> so then, so now you figure that Postmates would send me to deliver the coffee first, right? Oh Wouldn't that be God. logical? That would be logical. They sent you to bring the food first? They sent me to bring the food first. Okay. And now as I'm driving to dream, bring the food to this place, it's one of these windy places, you know, up, up there. In the hills. And I'm getting kind of confused. It's telling me on GPS, but I miss a turn, this and that, you know. Oh, good God. And then uh, I, I, I get there. I drop the food. Now, I'm, at this point, I'm starting to get grumpy, right? No, the people that for the food, they were fine. The people because even fine. their food was delayed, though, right? By twenty five minutes. Twenty five minutes, yeah. Plus delivery time that they build into it and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Or do they build in? You know, Cause, I because hate... I'm always curious. Like, at what point do you get yelled at? Like, it, because well, it's do they build in a huge buffer for delays? You know, I'm not for sure how they do it for the customer. I don't know what it looks like because uh, I hate Postmates okay. so much, I won't order from them. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, but that's kind of, I get that. That's good for you. You know, it's like, dude, why am I going to go pay for shit? Then I have to do a Postmates run equal. No. Out to, you know? So here you are. You so delivered, here, and here you are with a cold coffee. With a cold coffee, and I get a phone call. Hi, Brian. I was wondering what's going on with my coffee. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to find it. Do you know how far you are from my place? Because it's been like 45 minutes, and I still haven't got my coffee. I'm thinking about canceling the order. And I said, I think you. I said, I think you should. I said, I, I think you. It's not bad. I said, I think you should. Might as well. I mean, it's been. Oh, so they long. actually have a. So with Postmates, they have your phone number. They so can get a hold of you. They can get a hold of me, but it's not my actual number. It go, it's like a, go, a call through. Yeah, it's like a 548 or Yeah, something. so oh, she right. can't keep repeatedly calling you four days from now going, Brian, <laughs> Brian, you piece of shit, where's my fucking coffee? Like, but I love the fact you're like, yeah, I think you should cancel I'm this like, order. You cancel, you know, and I'm getting, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting grumpy at this point. Like You're like, <laughs> I don't even want to bring you this coffee because I'm going to chuck it right at your face. That's right, so I'm like, and, and, um, and I'm like, and this was literally, this was one of the worst drives I've had. Okay. I've had some canceled on me or some places going, but this was one of the more harder ones I had because of the delay and all the parking. And I get there and it's Whitney. It's her coffee. And I'm like, Oh man, how embarrassing. A, we started around the same time. (laughs) B, she's made it. C. Yeah. Not only am I doing Postmates, I'm fucking up at Postmates. <laughs> I'm fucking this <laughs> up real bad. Postmates delivery guy. <laughs> but the, I'm going to guess. Never let your boss see you fuck up two, two jobs. jobs. <laughs> but does that help? In the end, does it help? Meaning, you had, versus being a stranger. Um, was Whitney like, like, oh, like, hey, thanks. I can just keep this up in a microwave. Don't Because the thing is, I, I don't, well, finish the story. How did, you, how did you work it out? Well, I worked out, oh, hey, Whitney. I'm like embarrassed as hell. 
She goes, I hope you don't think I'm a bitch. I'm like, no, no, no. I just feel bad. And I was trying to explain to her all the things I had to go. You know, and she's probably like, like, okay, cool. So, thanks for the play-by-play, dude. Can well, no, I get my coffee? Yeah, exactly. but, but at the same time, that's the difference though, right? Like if a stranger's going, why well, to do this? And you're like, all right, stranger, listen, like, but at least you, yeah. she's going, all right, the guy's not, he's not bullshitting. Me. Yeah. He, he kind of got boned. Yeah. 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 She understood it, you know? And I think that, yeah, it that's was cool. funny. Yeah. <laughs> that Did would she be take my... the cold coffee? Yeah, she took it. Yeah, I hope she liked but it. But I got—I will say though, though, also, you sure did also can... say on the phone, I think you should cancel. On top, but even if it's not her and you don't know her, I, I think the I was fact that, the person. that huh? yeah, I, yeah, I was telling. It didn't. I didn't know know who it was. Yeah, you were just—you like, were being honest. You're like, you know what? You probably should because you realized you were delivering a cold coffee at that point. Right? Yeah. Did you ever say that or no? Honestly, it's cold coffee. You did not. You were like, I'm not getting that yeah. far into it. Yeah. Don't admit you're a fuck up. Yeah. But he, <laughs> he, but he didn't mess up, though. Yeah, yeah, it really wasn't my... It wasn't my mess up. It just appears my mess up, Sure, right? you but look the mess- like the guy who doesn't know what you're doing so, because... But, yeah. So, and that uh, delivery, like, how do you guys finish? Like, with a hug or, like... No, like thank you. That's like a regular thank you, you know. Like, yeah. Brian's like, it's a fist bump, a chest bump, yeah. then I grab asses. So- no, I'm just saying it's like I was making a joke. Like you end up delivering somebody you know. You're like, all right, well, we'll see, see you yeah. later. Like do we go kiss- in for the. Should we kiss we- goodbye? Yeah. <laughs> no, completely unnecessary. Why would you kiss me? Yeah. Um, now yeah. last week uh, I delivered uh, one to Jack Black. Oh, that's cool. That was cool. And I, but I wonder about that. With Another some, coffee? No, it was uh, there, okay, okay. a box of donuts. All right. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but I wonder about that with, the, with these celebrities because I think uh, a decent amount of them do this type of stuff. Order, and I'm like, now, granted, when you get to his place, there was a gate and it had to open and all this, you know. But I'm like, man, that's kind of risky. Yeah, now, you, now a psycho like Brian Swinehart knows where Jack Black yeah, lives. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like... Um, but and did he answer the tour in a towel? He came out in shorts and a t-shirt and was exactly as you would predict him to be. Hey man, thanks for the food. Yeah, exactly. bye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he strikes me as a pretty normal dude. Down, he's, normal but also dude. like a dude who just enjoys himself. Like, yeah. If, yeah. like if you delivered Postmates to Harlan Williams, he'd be like, Yeah, hey buddy, thanks a lot for coming by with the food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. um See, so, yeah, man, it's a it's a little side job. It's just and, a side hustle. So that's a side hustle, and we've all got to do that type of stuff. Everyone's got a little bit of something they got to do on the side. Because, By the way, during the story, I got a lot of anxiety. I couldn't do. I just couldn't yeah. do it. During, I just, just hearing the story gives you anxiety. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just the idea of like the, I got to over here chance. getting cold, and this is hot, and then this is cold, and just the idea of like trying to get everybody their it's, shit and, and too. having things that are not within your control. I've tried to learn over the years. To be careful on attacking the messenger because, like, a lot of times, it's never their it has fault. Nothing to do with them. That's like when I'm it's out of their hands. When yeah. you're on the phone with somebody, like a business or a company, yeah. like I always say to the person we're talking, to, look, I understand this isn't on you. Yeah, you answer the phones and you have to deal with people like me. But what I want to say is, please, how, you know what I mean. And then, yeah. then at least they know that you're on some sort of a normal level of humanity where you're like, I'm not screaming at you. I'm screaming at this fucking corporation that's fucking me in the ass right now. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be a tough job to, to phone people because that's who you take it out on. Because who else is it? And the, meanwhile, the guy making the decisions up top ain't no, no, he's dude. Got those are like the just like the politicians that send people to war. You're like, right. th- those guys don't fight in wars. Yeah. They just like put people over there. And you're yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah, great, man. You can't like soldiers can't yell to them. Yeah, it's just fucking unfair. That was a weird Veterans Day reference of yeah. like hey, it's Veterans Day. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah. But um, but but I get it. We all we all do the side hustle. That's it's rough, but it's necessary because 
because you don't get out here and someone just hands you a check for a billion dollars. We wait. don't all get Adam Devine before we're 30. You know what I mean? Like, wait, I yeah. thought. Like that kind what of stuff doesn't happen to everybody. And I'm not, that is no. in no way saying it should no. not have happened to Adam or that right. the people that it does happen to yeah. don't deserve it because that's not true at all. It's just for a lot of us, it's a struggle for a very long time. And, and even when you look at guys, I always go back to John Hamm waiting tables, not knowing whether or not he got mad men or not. You know what I mean? Wow. That's but crazy. in his forties, you know in what I mean? 40s, like, yeah, so it's like, you gotta, you, if you really love it and it's what you want to do, you hang on and you continue to do it. That being said, I wanted to get into how, cause you've sold a couple movie scripts. Yeah. Uh, and but financially not very profitable, but well, not very profitable, but most yeah. people, and I shouldn't say most, a large majority of people yeah. never make a dollar on anything they write. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that you were able to sell, can you, t- well, first of all, writing it, what, the concept, what was the first thing you sold? How did you get it sold? How did you write it? What, where did the idea come from? So was, it wasn't the... I had a side job before weed was legal. Ah, okay. And was uh, it selling weed? Selling weed. <laughs> John, good deduction. <laughs> Before weed was legal, was it? You were a postman. <laughs> yeah, I was still doing the same job postmates. as postmates, but they liked me more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the coffee people, wasn't getting cold. People didn't care about how cold it was, but they definitely wanted you to show up pretty. And quick. they actually yeah. had your phone number. Yeah, okay, they yeah, had yeah, my yeah. phone number. Okay. And so, um, my friend, you know, Chris Carey was a DJ at three clubs. Yeah. He called me and said, Hey man, this, uh, this guy, this French dude, uh, I know needs some weed. You got any weed you could bring him? I said, yeah. So he goes, yeah, he wants a, he wants $120 worth of weed. I said, be right there. And, uh, so I go deliver and it was to this guy, Alex. And, uh, he was a French dude and talk, drop him the weed and he keeps calling me for weed. And then he says, you know, I got this idea for a script, but I don't know how to to, to say it in English and he pitched me this idea of these guy, this guy going to rehab and don't he doesn't want to leave and like an Owen Wilson type of guy right and that's the first script we, we wrote and we did get an option uh, but it never got made but we made uh, I think I made 1500 bucks on the option right mm-hmm. so, well, but you wrote that whole movie for him or with, with him? him with him so he so we wrote it together now he needed you help. You speak English better. Yeah, fluently. I speak English. So Congrats. He, yeah, yeah, so he because yeah, he's from he's Ohio. From, yeah, he's not from Ohio. He's from France. So he had the idea, and I just went with. It. I just went along with him and helped him write the characters and just you know some ideas for scenes or whatever. And that one I still love. I hope something happens with it. And he and I kept writing, and then we wrote this uh, one called Burning Shadow, and that's the one John's in, and um, uh, the. Uh, his producers, he knew these producers, and they had a budget of two two hundred thousand, and they made the movie with it. And uh, John played a homeless uh, guy <laughs> who's beating up a blind homeless guy, and uh, <laughs> with with my half gloves, my yeah. half mittens. I gave John. Oh, you gave half, him the. I gave him some half that. mittens, yeah, yeah, for that role, and yeah. uh, so I'm in it too with my half mittens. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Continue. And uh, so, what a weird way to yeah. get yourself uh, shoved <laughs> you into that I didn't story. Know, I didn't know I was supposed to put you in the credits for that. <laughs> yeah. Did you have half mitten credits? What are you wearing? I'm wearing half mittens by Brian uh, Brian Irwin. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's how we uh, we got that one. We got that one made, and it's been to some film festivals. And I actually, we'll probably check in with Alex today to see what else is going on because it's all such a slow process. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I've had that. And then now what I'm into 
is uh, making uh, short films. I mean, obviously, I want to make feature movies as well, mm-hmm. but I've been finding a, a real like f- uh, love for doing um, short films. And uh, my buddy, I don't know, my friend Nick Novicki, little person, mm-hmm. comedian, he does the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge. He, Carl Hansen, we've had Carl Hansen on the show, yeah. and Carl works heavily with those guys as well. Yeah, I know Carl, good <clears throat> yeah. guy. So, um, yeah, so Nick... Um, Nick's great, by uh, Nick's the way. Nick's awesome, yeah. dude. So he has this film festival, and it's a weekend, uh, 48 hours, write it, film it, yeah. mm-hmm. stress yourself out. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first year, I did one called we- uh, Wheels, about my friend Wheels. He's in a wheelchair. I met him through Ramsey. Uh, he is uh, like the little, like he's lit, like he's hard life, dude. He actually designed my Swine Time T-shirt, so oh. he's, he's magical with computer stuff. That's great. And yeah, and uh, we made a short about him being a little league baseball coach with an alcohol problem, and that was fun. And then, uh, then the next year, I made one called uh, Found with my friend Ishmael. And uh, it was about this girl with uh, cerebral palsy, and I show up at her house with my dog, and I say, you, "I'm your cousin. I'm playing her cousin. You need to take the dog. I found him on the street, but my landlord won't let me keep dogs. I can't keep a dog. I can't keep a dog. And then, of course, she keeps the dog, falls in love with the dog, keeps the dog. Okay, doesn't give him back like she was going to do it. Just keep him for one night. She keeps him forever. And then the next year, I went back home to Ohio, and I saw this poster for Scooby. And Scooby's this guy in our town who's got Down syndrome and he comes to all the football games and he's our town's mascot, basically. He's our yeah. good luck charm. Everybody loves <laughs> Everybody him. Everybody loves him. He's around and everything. He's around. The he's town around. is his life. Yes, the town is his life. And they were doing a professional wrestling match and Scooby was going to be in the wrestling match, right? And they were doing it to raise money and this and that. And it was going on while I was in town, but I actually didn't get to go to the wrestling match because I was going to go see my um, nieces and nephews. So, um, uh, but I, I said, oh, Scooby. And then I thought, man, I want to do a movie about Scooby. And then, so when this festival came around the next year, we made this one called The Number One Fan with Scooby. And the story is that Scoob is uh, working at a grocery store, which he actually does. He works at Kroger, you know. And he's working at the grocery store, and his boss doesn't want him to let let him off work because his boss has bet money on the other football team. Ah. And he thinks if Scooby gets off work... Good luck charm can't be there. Yeah. So... Um, Keeps giving him more stuff to do. It, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I play Scooby's friend. And this was my first time being a directing, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to try directing now because I've been having these ideas and I find out when I'm writing. And I find there's so many, the more steps you can take out, the easier it's going to be and the more closer you can kind of do. Now, I made some mistakes in directing this short looking back because I didn't really know the angles. I knew what I, but. it's key if you're going to direct for the first time, you have to have a director of photography that is also a director. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, and, and these were well. I also had to direct out of necessity because I was using my friends from my hometown, right? And so my camera guy is awesome. He works for Procter and Gamble as a still photographer. Gotcha. So he's going to gotcha. film. So he's awesome, but he's also not a director. It, yeah. So yeah. we're so I'm like, okay, well, just out of necessity, I'm going to have to do this, and uh, so. When I went to meet Scoob at his house, I'm talking to his mom and his brother about the thing. He says to me, I sure wish my dad were here to see this. Uh, and I said, that's the line. I said, all I have to do is get that line in this movie. I wish my dad were here to see this. So that, so we shoot the film and we get Scooby the scene and he finishes work and he gets to go to the football game. And the team comes back by 
scores three touchdowns, right? And we're doing like shots of you know, I got the ball my, flying through the air. Yeah, flying my You're not catching. shooting a whole football game. Yeah, you yeah. just say, but all he catches the winning catch, and we get like ten extras watching, right? And then, uh, and uh, then we're standing by the fence at the football game, and I say to Scoob. All right, Scoop. Well, now what I want you to do is I say, I want you to say, I sure wish my dad were here to see this. <laughs> this guy. I mean, Meryl Streep can't even be this real. <laughs> I mean, dang. Because he, he means it. He means it. And he started going, I wish my dad. And when he said right from the top, he went, looked to heaven. He go, because see, Scoop, there's no question. For Scoop, there's God. Yeah. Yeah. He's never once doubted that. He's never once questioned that. Yeah. It's real. There's no, you, there's, you know, it's so true. His dad's in heaven and it's a fact. And he, but he misses him like crazy. Sure. And he said that and I'm looking over and I'm in the scene with Scoob. And because uh, he's saying that to me, but at the same time, I'm looking at my cameraman like, did you, get you, it? did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? This is magic because Scoop keep going. So you wrecked the shop by staring right at the camera going, <laughs> it's are like you he's <laughs> super emotional? Brian's like, <laughs> did we get it? Did we get it? Did we get it? <laughs> Everyone's like, okay, we got one special person in this scene and it's not Scoob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, but he got, I mean, he nailed it and he kept going and this monologue was great. And Scoob, um, he got nominated for the Best Actor Award. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, that's awesome. And they had an event at the UTA, a red carpet event. And we found out a week before, like, you know, they tell you a week ahead of time or Mm -hmm. something. So I told my mom, like, man, it's too bad Scoob can't go. My mom calls my sister. 15 minutes later, my sister calls me. Hey, I'm going to set up a GoFundMe for Scoob. We're going to send Scoob there. Call him, make sure his mom's okay with it. Boom! Scoop got got to go fund me. Scoop come out with his brother uh, with with him and his brother, and uh, he got to walk the red carpet. Oh, oh man. man, dude! Yeah, dude, it was awesome. Look at that! Yeah, it was awesome. And then uh, and then last year we made one too with Scoob. Uh, I thought it was really good too, but it didn't get nominated or anything. But it was about because they give you genres. So the first year with Scoob was a buddy movie. Mm-hmm. So I was his buddy helping him at the grocery store. Right then the next year was. Um, Last year was sci-fi, so I, I rented a Bigfoot. No, I, I mean, I, I I got a Bigfoot costume, and I put Scooby in a Bigfoot costume. Or no, I put I put myself in a Bigfoot costume, and Scooby uh, sees Bigfoot, and the hunters are going to kill Bigfoot, but Scooby talks him out of killing Bigfoot because my other buddy lost his leg to diabetes, and so we had him saying that Bigfoot took his leg. <laughs> And what we he meant Bigfoot candy bars. Yeah. <laughs> what, well, I had, it's what, like an ad placement. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I Bigfoot started. maple syrup. That's right. <laughs> it took my leg. But what really happened to his leg was he was trying to hunt Bigfoot and he stepped in Bigfoot's trap. Bam. Oh, got, him, got his foot and then Scoob. So then like, my buddy, it's a forgiveness movie. He forgives Bigfoot and this. And um, so... Those? Does Scoop forgive you for bringing him in to Hollywood to see, the, <laughs> to see how you can Brian, work? Brian, I had a fine life work, working at the grocery store. You can store. work really hard and still fail? You fucked me. Man, and right, not win know. the awards that you were hoping to well, win? It's funny because, you know, those things... I'm start, just kidding, by the way. The, 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 it's always about the ride. It's always about the ride. Yeah. And if you can remember that, then you really appreciate it. Yeah. But, you know, we go back to, to our hometown. And my town's 2,000 people, you know. 
So we go back when I go back, and everybody's talking about this and Scoob, and it is like you know you can see how Hollywood it kind of can get people excited. You know, it's like do you do you go back and just get mad? Everyone likes Scoob, and you're like, but I I made him, but it I would be nothing without me. No, <laughs> I'm I, Brian Spinehart. I'm I'm happy for the for the little bit of where's your headshot hanging there? Did you hang it up at the uh, the dry cleaners <laughs> at the local cafe? You know, I tell you, my town. Is not interested in hanging up your headshot? They are. Okay. I mean, they like me. They love me, whatever. But it's the <laughs> toughest. It is the toughest. Tough I go, love. Man, it is tough love, dude. It's like I go back there and like, yeah, but you've been out there so long and you haven't made it. Well, but again. Well, those, uh, to me. No, it's, a, it's, it's uh, I could explain that one. Yeah. In the Midwest, you get a job, right? So you, entry level job. You stay at that job. And then every year you get a review, you get a raise, and eventually you you go you go you know whatever to to assistant to manager to what, and eventually you know what I mean. Yeah. And so when somebody goes, wait a minute, so for twenty you've been doing this whatever x amount of years, like where's your like where why aren't you the manager of something? Yeah. Like that's how. And why again, aren't you McConaughey at this point? Yeah. And but that's because that's what that's how they that's how life works. Or it's like you get married, you get a picket fence, you get a house. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you get a dog, you have a kid, you have another kid. Like there's there's levels. You're supposed to hit certain bars, right? And so I I get how they see life, but that's not how it works here. Also, right? yeah, also that's people's not how it works. people's idea of what the entertainment industry is is fairly warped in the sense that they just don't understand it thoroughly. Meaning when someone's like, oh, I haven't seen that actor on TV for 10 years. What a washed up loser. No, that person's either been writing, they've been doing plays, they've been directing, directing, they've been producing, they've been doing shit behind the camera that you don't know anything about because the credits now run by so fast you have no idea who's in anything. And if you're not seeing a face on TV or movies that you can watch in a theater that you assume that that person is no longer successful or happy or working. And and I think that's what people don't understand is thousands of movies get made every year that, that people are in that aren't ever going to be in a theater that you still have access to. Now more than ever, actually, you have access to these movies. Like, is your movie uh, playing... Um, the sh- what was the shadow movie? How, what, Burning shadow. Burning shadow. You know, it's uh, they they still working on that. I mean, it's done some festivals, oh. but it hasn't oh, it's been not released. the, the lo- it's not got a locked cut. It's not out out. Well, it's it's on the festivals circuit. circuit so yeah, I was waiting to see. What yeah, happens. it doesn't normally. If you're in the festivals, you cannot. Yeah, you can't, you can't put it out. Yeah, especially no. a feature length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But but just the idea that just because. I don't see Brian Swinehart on a stage every night. Mean doesn't mean Brian Swinehart's not busy and busting his ass and getting shit done. You know, yeah. Um, he's stuck in traffic doing he's, post. Yeah, post- <laughs> he's busy. <laughs> he's busy. He's bringing you cold coffee. coffee reason why he can't find successful comedians. He's busy giving coffee to people who've made it. Yeah, you can't, you can't find him because he can't find comedian a parking in spot. Car That's... Getting coffee for more famous comedians. <laughs> That's really funny. There's your next sketch. Yeah, that would be great, right? You show up and you're like, oh hi. They're like. This is cold, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's that's cool that you. So have you you wrote you collaborated with that guy on your first couple of. Yeah. Was that the first time you completed a script? No, <laughs> I've I've done a I've written a, a bunch uh, before that. You know, feature just, length. Yeah, feature yeah. length and short. I met, I'm I had a mentor. His name was uh, Bill Idelson. He taught a writing class in the Pacific Palisades, and he was an old Jewish guy who wrote on. Um, uh, Andy Griffith, Twilight Zone, Jesus, all these things, and taking um, it back. Yeah, he was awesome, and uh, he would give us. So at first, the class was like three hundred bucks for like twelve weeks or something, right? And it's like eight 
eight people in it. And, sure, you're all and reading he was, each other's stuff. And, yeah, and he was known for dwindling his classes down pretty quickly. And I really respect this about him because, like I was saying with people in acting class, the acting teacher will hype them up and keep them in there. Right. For the money. For the money. But he well, would do the opposite. Bill's already rich. He got a house in Pacific Palisades. He ain't teaching for the money. He's teaching because he likes, he likes it. He likes and it. he wants to see results. He wants to see results. So, and I saw our class dwindle from eight to three because he rips. He not mean rip. I mean, people thought he was kind of, but he just really blunt. Like, you know, like he gave us this one exercise where the lady, she's a scientist and she's coming back and she's bringing a, uh, she's studying a gorilla and she brings the gorilla home and the husband doesn't want the gorilla living there. But, you know, he's going to have to make a decision because she's studying the gorilla. So you write this scene about the gorilla, and I'll never forget. They go to read my scene. They finish. It's like a three-page scene. Bill, Bill looks at me and goes, a gorilla would never do that. <laughs> what, did, what did you have the gorilla do? Okay. I can't even remember what he was doing. Smoking a cigar. <laughs> Driving a car. Oh, my like, God. And then he, and then he played us because he wrote, wrote on a show where that was one of the scenes. It was like a sketch type of show back when. <laughs> And that was one of the scenes, and then we would watch the real scene, how it played Interesting. out. Interesting, okay. And and uh, so yeah, I was having the gorilla kind of be smart and stuff, and like you know, and he's, he's like the gorilla would throw poop at yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The gorilla would never do that. He would be you know beat his. You know. He'd rip your and, face off. Yeah. yeah, gorillas are biters. They're biters. And then after that, we did. Um, so after you finished the class, then you every Thursday he had a group for five dollars, and he said he only charges five dollars because he wants people to respect time. And you put your five bucks in class and you bring a scene each week and you read it with other writers and this and that. And there was all these really good writers. And um, that's how I uh, I started kind of really getting into uh, writing scripts and Ooh. screenplays and stuff. And uh, From that class? Yeah, from that class. That's good. Oh, yeah. that inspired you. He inspired me. How do you find these places? Well, that place I found through uh, an acting class I was in, okay. which I ended up liking the writing class a billion times better than the acting class. Okay. Uh, and it, and everything, but the teacher said because it was like they were doing some some sitcom scenes, and he said, "There's this one guy who wrote sitcoms. He's a really good teacher." This, and I, I want to take that, and I went there, and then and Bill and I were like, right away, dude. He was like, "Cause see, Bill was in World War II. My dad was in World War II." Uh, so I'm always searching for these guys, you know, I guess he was kind of like a father figure, you know what I mean? Like You're comfortable around the older gentleman. I am. Yeah. I really am. I, I really, my whole life has been like that. I like the older people, you know, it's always been, uh, easier for me. I mean, most of my friends have always been older than me as well. You know, it's weird. It's hard. Calm man. down. It's hard. Sorry, John. <laughs> I'm only slightly older. <laughs> yeah, bro, two years. Right? fucking not cool. No, but I was, when I was a freshman, my buddy, my best friend growing up was a senior. You know, he was my neighbor. So like, you know, four years, his brother was six years older than me. So I was always kind of like in hanging out with older people. And, uh, and I just still find myself and I think partly because my dad was so old and this and that, it just kind of like, yeah. So, so you had older parents. My dad was uh, 58 when I was born. Oh, wow. 60 okay. When, 60 when my sister was born. But my mom was, my dad was 26 years older than my mom. Oh. So your dad told good ward stories. Yeah. He had, okay. Yeah. He had good war stories. So. All right. And if he was here today, we'd high five him. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. My, uh, Is that hard to have a parent that old? Yeah. Because, um, well, you get a lot of trash talk from the kids at school. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. 
Kids uh, will make funny if your parents yeah, are old. Yeah, I mean, kids will make funny for anything. But you, yeah. you really listen to that old guy. Uh, hey, you your know, grandpa's here. Your grandpa. Yeah, your grandpa's here was every day. Every yeah, that day, guy. Yeah, 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 but your dad also would probably beat the living shit out of both <laughs> those kids. <laughs> yeah, like, and their dads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but he was a fun. He, you know, he came. Uh, speaking of fighting, he came to watch me do a fight once. Me in a fight. So I was fighting this kid, Sean McNeil, and it was uh, seventh grade. Wait, ho- hold on. Just like a street fight? Yeah, street fight. He came to watch. Okay, first off, was this publicized? He, he like, got the, he got the. You know, in school, they're like, "There's gonna be a fight at the yeah. bar." Like, How did it make it to your? He's dad, walking by. Though. He's like, "There's gonna be a fight where?" All right, I'll be there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did it? Normally, that stays within the kids' yeah. circuit. People are trying to let. let he's like, I don't know. This know. made it to my office, so I'm here. Well. What happened was the first day we go, <laughs> yeah, we go and fight. Uh, we go, we so there was an alley behind the church where we always fought. Okay, right? so there's a fighting alley. Okay. okay, always, always a fighting alley, and we go Wait, always. <laughs> there's always places kids went to fight. Yeah, I thought kids just fought where they had to fight. But anyway, continue. You got so you have a fighting alley. So we have a fighting alley behind a church, which is great. So continue. Yeah, in case you get killed, you're already there, right? <laughs> <laughs> have the funeral and the fight on the same day. Yeah. They can put they can fix the board out front about the services. Yeah, so, uh, for, uh, continue. So uh, we're fighting. And, um, and somebody else, uh, and we're fighting. Uh, for me, it feels like 30 minutes. It was probably three minutes, three right? Three seconds, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but then somebody else, cops, cops. And everybody starts running away, right? And I'm still... Classic and, one, if you want to end anything in childhood, yeah, just yell cops. cops. <laughs> and, and, and as we're, you know, going the other way, as we're going the other way, Sean's older brother says to him, fight's not finished. Fight's not finished. Oh. Sean turns to me. It's on again tomorrow. Sequel. Oh, on again it's like tomorrow. Rocky too. <laughs> okay, on again tomorrow. So I go home. By this time, the whole town knows there was a fight, right? Yeah. Well, by on. the way, you are you. This story is your next screenplay. Continue. Okay, that's a good idea. Okay, yeah, I so, know it is. That's why I'm telling yeah. you. Continue. So, um, uh, we uh, so the next day, uh, you know, we're gonna fight again, and the fight starts. And I'm fighting Sean. His brothers are there. Everybody's there. It's everybody's. Just I mean, love this. So more people there for the round yes, two. Yes, part one. two, guys. Yeah. If you missed the Spent first. Spent half one. the money, but made twice the profit. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> and then, who shows up? My dad sitting there watching the fight. Oh my god! Did he bring a snack? Got a lawn like, chair. Did, you, a did your mom bag? make him a sandwich? <laughs> Man, my mom ripped his ass out because <laughs> <laughs> he went just to watch and not help. That yeah. ended. That's a- and he's sitting there like just rooting on, cheering on, and the brothers are talking shit to my dad. My dad's like, it's like my quarter man. Like, wow, oh my God, <laughs> right? That's and then, hilarious. And then once again, the cops come, and um, this time everybody takes off except your dad. Of except course, except my dad. By the way, was he the only adult there? Yeah. Oh, this is yeah. getting, oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy. And, 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 and the cops come and they all know my dad. My dad was a lawyer, so they all know him, right? They walk him, Mr. Swinehart, what's going on here? Oh, you guys missed one hell of a fight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. That's my boy, the victor. That's my boy. <laughs> and then so for Christmas, so Christmas Eve that year comes around and I'm laying in bed and I hear something pounding like on the garage. What did he do? He went out and bought a heavy bag. He said, next time you hit somebody, they got to stay down. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to be you a fighter. What? That's right. That's it. Also, your dad was in World War II. Yeah, He's that's what I'm saying. So, it's like he yeah. just... He ha- he comes from a different time. Oh, yeah. Right? A different type... You know, I mean, yeah, imagine if your dad was in World War II, right? Yeah. 
So you figure your dad grew up in the 20s yep. and depression. the 30s, the Depression, and you ha- it was called fighting your way to survive, yeah. man. I'm not saying he physically had to get in fights, but, but I'm sure. But a lot of times but, you did. But I mean, he, we're talking bread li- We're talking people like trying to figure out food yeah, and, in, in their lives. I mean, yeah. yeah he My wife gets cranky when she doesn't get breakfast right away. Uh, I can only imagine well, like. What, I mean, you got to compare a, a guy like him. To a guy like today, right? Oh. Or, uh, my internet's not working on my phone. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's that's like, why older generations laugh at us. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, red lines us. and phone lines. Yeah, exactly. like right. Like it's like people waiting well, for the, the new that, iPhone. Yeah, people were waiting to live. Yeah, in that line. That's why there was a line. Yeah. You're waiting for your iPhone. People were waiting for the people in their neighborhood to get off the um, communal party line, oh, so they could make lines. a <laughs> make a phone call. Yeah. How much longer are you going to be on this thing? Hang it up. Get off. I'm I'm on it we now. Had, we had a party line on our, uh, in on the lake that we would go in the summertime. Like so, it's like you know, you just keep if, if somebody was annoying you, you, just keep picking up the phone, pick it up, make noise, hang it up, pick it up, make noise, hang it up until they would just get off the phone. It's like, oh my god, I gotta go. The neighbor kids are irritating me. <laughs> party line. Um, that's awesome. I did uh, want one. Thank you so much for um, yeah. coming Man, out. Man, my pleasure. But real quick before we go, we yeah. got to talk about Tips Magoo here. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, you talk about it on stage. Yeah. I assume you oh, talk, yeah, you're yeah, okay yeah, talking I don't about care. it. I, love, I mean, it's. I honestly, I've known you a long time, and I give you a lot of shit. And when I saw that you had posted something online where you were missing part of your fingers at this point, I was like, I think Matt Dittman was one of my first calls. I go, oh, I think Swinehart shoved his hand in a boat motor. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's just what I assumed happened. You're like, hey, does, how does this thing work? And yeah. you just like. Voof. But that's not what like happened. That. No. no. Uh, can you walk us through it really quick? Yeah. And are you okay? Are you in pain? Oh, no. Uh, you know what? It, it it does hurt. It hurts when I bump it or something. I mean, it's still sensitive. Interesting. Yeah. So will it always be sensitive? Uh, I don't know. It's been uh, over a year. And it's so, I mean, I think it will always be more sensitive than my other fingers that were. Because, you know, this part has never been exposed. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Okay. So the nerves are, are, are like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, when it happened, the pain was just, you know, when you're, I'll tell you, give me an example when you're sleeping and you kind of like move, I, I was sleeping and I went to grab the blanket uh, and I took my thumb and hit my middle finger uh, and it was insane pain, like just insane. Like just scream. And I was at my mom's house. I felt so bad because it's like one in the morning. I'm screaming, waking her up. Another time I was walking and all of a sudden my finger just hurt so dang bad. And I was like, what happened? And then, and my mom went into the store and she came out and I was still outside walking around, grabbed my finger, cussing. And she said, you must have bumped your sunglasses. I had my sunglasses on my shirt hanging down. And when I was walking, I probably bumped my sunglasses. Just a graze. Oh. And that's all, that's all it takes. All it took, man. Wow. So you, you're missing the tips of the two middle fingers on your right, right, right hand. Are you, are you right-handed? Hand. Yeah, I'm right-handed. Right-handed. So what happened was my cousin called me and said, let's go to, we used to have, to, used to have uh, family reunions on 4th of July. Once my dad died, everybody started fighting. Every uh, All hell broke loose. Speaking of fighting. Yeah, it's fighting. My dad always calls fight, right? My dad dived. He's watching from up above. Up above. He's got his chair. chair. Come here, St. Peter. You're missing a hell of a fight. (laughs) (laughs) You're missing a hell of a fight, St. Peter. Yeah. So there was hasn't been no family any family reunions. My cousins calls me. Let's go the go to the lake. And he bought me a ticket to go to the lake. And when he's calling me saying this, it's one of those moments in your life where you're like, I don't think I should go. I got a lot of stuff to do here in California. I can just go to the goddamn beach. Uh, I go to Malibu and watch the fireworks like I usually do every year. It's kind of my thing. But, you know, he wants to buy me a ticket. It's a big deal. Okay, you know. 
and we get there, and the first day or two out, it's okay, you know. But I'm also in this weird thing where I'm the single guy. Everyone's coupled up. Everybody's coupled. It's my, you know, it's my cousin. Everybody's coupled up. I'm here by myself, kind of like odd man out the whole time. It's, it's weird, you know. And uh, we're on the boat, and I was on the jet ski, and the jet ski broke down, and it was lightning and thunder going on as I'm out there. Very Midwestern. Very Midwestern. Uh, swim the jet ski to shore. I see these two kids who look like they were in the movie Twilight. They let me. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, they, they let me borrow their phone. I call my cu- my my uh, my phone. My cousin's wife answers. She sends my cousin and his stepdad to come pick me up on the boat. I get on the boat and I'm relieved. Wow, man, I got that whole situation done. I was scared out there in the middle of the lake on the jet ski, not knowing where I was with thunder and lightning. Yeah. Right. So I'm sitting on the back of the boat, just thinking, "Oh God, I'm so glad that's over." And then I hear my cousin's stepdad say, oh, shit. And I see a rope coming at me. And the rope had some metal on it because it's the rope you use to water ski. has the handles on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. So there's metal entwined in it. Yeah, so it's coming at me, and I go to grab it for whatever reason. Well, was it coming at your face? Yeah, it was coming. Yeah, it was coming. Like, I moved like this, so it couldn't. But, but your reaction was to put your hand up. Which to, natural yeah, to reaction. To block your yeah. face yeah. and everything. So I'm blocking, boom. Yeah. This kind of movement. Almost like a, like a, oh, oh, so I'm blocking, boom. So it's almost like a high, not like the forward height, but like, you know, you're yeah, catching something. It's a, it's a, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So yeah. I go to catch it thinking, you know, I'm going to catch this rope and, you know, and dude, just immediately, immediately slice them, slice them. I watched them walk fall into the lake. Oh, oh you actually saw? I saw. Okay. I saw. Come on. Yeah. Now, can, I, I've always. Yeah. They always say like when just a body immediately the adrenaline, like you see it but you don't feel it. I felt it. It was burning. But there's but the sharp sharp pain is the body shut down that area. Is that what it does or no? My fingers were hurting really bad, bad. from the get go. From the get go, okay. it was burning. It was burning. I almost jumped into the lake to calm down the burning. So yeah. I was not thinking. Oh. I was going to ask right, you, right. shove your hand in the water. Like, yeah, I almost jumped into the, the lake. The theory is you got to keep it above your heart, right? Like well, that. thank God for my cousin because he knew that. I didn't know that. So he he said, he grab, he, I was going to jump in. He grabbed me. He grabbed a rope and he tied a rope on my uh, wrist, wrist. Uh, my wrist, and he put a towel over my hand and, and held it up above my heart. He said, keep it above your heart. Um, then I sit down, and I think I, I think I uh, might have um, faded out, pat- passed out a little bit. Yeah. Because I kind of came to and was like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "Oh fuck!" And it felt like to me, it felt like a nightmare, dude. Right? I mean, I, I know. So reality told- is no longer you're you don't live you're not living in reality for is that what's yeah, happening? It's like, and immediately my first my first scream was. I won't be able to write. I won't be able to write. I, that's why I was asking about whether you're right-handed or not. That's it's it's funny that yeah, of course, like it's your digits, man. Yeah. It's like how you functioned your whole entire life yeah. up to that point. Yeah, and it's in writing something that even before, see, even if I don't write for a purpose, like even today before I came worked with you guys, I wrote in my journal. I wake up, I write my dreams down. Then I write down, you know, Saturday I went to the Laugh Factory. This happened. This happened. Oh, okay. Man, I got to work on my set here. This and this. Just that shit I love to do. Right. Mm-hmm. It helps. It's like it helps my mind. Dude, it's good for. You. Yeah, and um, so immediately I'm screaming. I won't be able to write. I won't be able to write. And then I thought about all these ideas, this story that I just, all these things that I want to write and haven't done, all the things I've said I was going to do mm. have never done. 
and I'm thinking that. And to me, my finger. I look at my hand now; it's not bad. Nobody yeah. notices. Right. But to me, when it had happened, oh, you were you were disfigured, man. I was disfigured. You I'm, were so used to looking at the back of your hand and, and the front of your hand in a certain way. Yeah. And then that changes, and it's your body. It's not like, oh, Brian got a haircut. It's weird looking at him with a new haircut. Yeah. It's like, these are my fucking hands. Yeah. Don't ever cut that hair. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't ever cut that hair. How dare you? And if you do, you donate share it, it to me. Okay. You okay. share it. Or you donate it to me. <laughs> it to me. I'll get a little, uh, what are those things? That extension. I'll get an extension. It won't, get a look, tail. it won't look right, but I'll have your hair. That sounds creepy. All right, continue your story. So, so yeah, so I'm screaming. I won't be able to write. My cousins calm me down. You know, it's going to be all right. Blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, we get to shore. We get to we get to shore. I jump off the boat. Uh, my cousin runs to get this lady who's on a golf cart to drive me down to the road. And she, I'm getting on her golf cart. And she yells to her friend, "Hey, Becky, throw me a beer!" Oh my God! <laughs> I gotta take uh, nubs here down to the old uh, ambulance. Yeah, but let me tell you something. You'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. And it almost kind of like just for a second takes you away from everything else versus yeah. all the focus going, I got to get going. This guy's losing his hand. Yeah. This guy's like all Becky, that other stuff. Instead of it's just like, Becky needs to get me a beer. Yeah. And you're like, I, uh, uh, okay. Like, it's like, it just, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, Brain can't comprehend what's going on. So that's um, awesome. Did yeah. Becky get me a beer. Did Becky get the beer? Or? Yeah. She oh, got okay, her a beer okay. and I'm just looking like, what do we know hell? Becky? Just some lady that's her friend. But you're never going to forget Bre- Becky, gonna, are you? Yeah. Never going to forget that, that <laughs> whole thing. And then I got in the car and went to the emergency room, blah, blah, blah got healed up. And then, uh, you know, I was in Ohio for six weeks dealing with that. And it kind of made me rethink about everything. And, uh, it took me a month to get back on stage. And when I was back on stage, I still was all wrapped up and in pain. And I tell that joke and it's the first time I do it. Well, I, I, the joke has come a shit long over way. Right? Yeah, when, sure, first, sure. when it first happened, I wasn't even telling the story the right way because I was, it was too close to home. Right. I wasn't kind of getting into it yeah. like I do now, but, um, and I'm telling it, and some lady reaches her hand up like this and goes like this. It's Becky. M- no middle finger. Oh, okay. And I said, wow, that makes traffic hard. And then, uh, <laughs> and then since then, I've uh, people come up to me. I mean, maybe I would say one in three shows, somebody with lot, so many finger injuries, it's crazy. But I had a guy come up to me and say, man, I almost took off my leg, but my wife wouldn't let me. You know, he'd been in uh, the Iraq war, and lost his leg. Wow. And so the amount of people that, it, you know, telling that story to... That you're connecting with. That now. I'm connecting with is is really cool. So, I mean, my goal is to get that story on late night somehow because I think it's like, uh, I think it's funny, but I also think it's uh, more than funny. It's relatable and uh, it's uh, it's an... It's not like I had to overcome that much, but I still overcame something, right? Well, yeah, and also it puts you it puts you in a unique category of people. That's there's not not everybody can walk around going, yeah, I'm missing tips of my finger and you know, there are a lot of people with amputations and a lot of people with uh injuries and, and kind of limbs that don't work and fingers that aren't 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 working or whatever, but like it's not as many as don't have that. Does right. that make sense? So like you become a guy who they see like, Oh yeah, we're all kinda in this together and it becomes a relatable yeah kind of you're not alone type of a deal you know uh so i mentioned nick and the easter seals disability film festival one of the guys is john lawson he always makes films and he's got no arms it lo- lost him in an electrical uh accident right he was doing electrical work and, and lost his arms cool make me feel more useless and, this guy's making movies with no arms well it's not about you john yeah <laughs> continue your story but nick told me he goes call john and i was like wait you want me to call John? Like, 
This ain't nothing compared to what. Yeah, John. this guy's missing arms. Yeah, and but I did. I was, you know, and I and I say, guys, I I went through a, the worst depression I had ever had, um, and and it might sound ridiculous, but it was a very bad because I mean it's one of the depressions where I would just wake up and tears would just stream down. Right, it was just and I. Uh, the doctor sent me to a counselor, and she said, "You're going through the five stages of grief." Grief, yeah, you're grieving for your you, missing body yeah, parts. Yeah, she's man. like, it's like a death. You lost a part. A part of your body is dead. Basically, how she said it. So I was going through all that. So I called John, and I said, "Man, well, I feel like you know, Nick. You know, yeah." He said, "He said, yeah, Nick told me you'd be calling." I said, "Yeah, man. I don't. I don't know how I can really say it compared to what you've been through. I, I don't feel like it's anything, man." And he goes, "It don't matter what it is. It all hurts." Wow, dude. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of, you know, got me yeah, going. That's like it, somebody, because I have people call me if someone they know has gets cancer or <coughs> like testicular cancer, especially. Yeah. Someone will go, hey, man, can I have my brother? Can my cousin call you? And I'm always like, yeah. <coughs> and at first I was always like, look, I just had testicular cancer. Like, I'm fine. It was a 98% curability rate. Like, there's no, you know. But at the same time, it's traumatic. And, and, and it doesn't matter what kind of cancer it is. To hear that you have cancer is fucking terrifying. And... <laughs> and just to talk to somebody who can relate or has been there is very helpful. Yeah, and that I think guy knew so. that, which is great. Yeah, you need that. And then, uh, and then I'll wrap it up with this. I guess if we're going, but I wanted to tell you about the wrestling tournament I did because of yeah. the finger. Yeah. So in high school, I was on the wrestling team, and uh, my show senior, off. Yeah, yeah, I'm bragging, but uh, <laughs> but wait a minute, did you put one of those things on top of your hair? You wrecked your hair with yeah. one of those? Well, yeah, dude, yeah. They, I, had, I had a buzz cut, so I wasn't really. Uh, oh, I thought hair. they made you a, a special one. Oh, you mean like those things, the the wrap? Yeah, don't you? Uh, yeah. Did you have to wear those no, back then? Or well, no? I had to wear headgear, but my hair, but I wasn't. My hair wasn't so long that uh, you had okay. to do that, and it uh, wasn't. It wasn't just as magnificent yet. Well, it could have been, but I was always keeping it short. Cause, cause he's already getting cocky well, about the hair. Sorry, I got two down. hours into this thing, and he's like, well, my hair was great. You're a good exactly. call. Well, because they can grab your hair. If you're in wrestling, yeah. if, if it's... Well, if, it they're can, not supposed to the, grab your hair. The no, they're not supposed right? to. That's what they are. Yeah, they're not right? supposed to grab your nuts either, but that happens. Yeah. That, that, All right. I don't know where you're going but with this. That's painful as shit. Back to your wrestling story. So wrestling was my thing in high school, and I went to the state tournament. That was my goal. And then I called my old coach... And uh, he has a wrestling garage, and he's like, come see me at the garage after I hurt my finger. And what he said to me when I told him the incident, and he thought the finger was even worse than it was, is he says, that's nothing. You'll overcome that in a second. You're a wrestler, right? Because when you play a sport, you always have that bond, right? Your kids playing football will always have that bond with these other guys, you know? And they'll always have that bond with other kids who did the thing when they grow up, right? When I meet other wrestlers to this day, we have so much to talk about. And I've had wrestlers help me in, in life, you know, that I don't know because of that bond. And anyway, so Coach say, said, uh, Nick Spatola, this friend of mine, has a wrestling camp. Nick went on to wrestle at Indiana University. He teaches wrestling camp, and every year he has a wrestling tournament, age 18 and up. So Nick, so Coach said, you, you should do the tournament. Now, Coach did the tournament a few years ago. Coach did it at age 50, and he won. Oh, Jesus. But Coach is, you know. A beast? A beast. Yeah. The guy's never stopped wrestling. You can't move him out of his stance. Everybody's kind of he's already won before he hits the mat because he's a legend and people are afraid of him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he already has him mentally, you know. So um and he told me he just squeezed by the tournament. I mean, he won by one point in his final match, but so much doesn't of Doesn't matter. Is that what it says on the trophy? Exactly, it doesn't. Yeah. So he but he's his you can't move him out of his stance. He's still strong. He wrestles every day, so he's awesome. So he told me I want you to you should do the tournament. And I'm like 
okay. You know, I'm like, I don't know. But then I was like, you know what? This will be what gets me going. So I went from not being able to do a push-up when coach was telling me that to slowly, okay, I can do a push-up, a couple push-ups. You know, on my, I think on my birthday that year, because it happened on July 5th, and on my birthday I was starting to do push-ups again. And the tournament was in March. So I started training. And Of this year? Uh, March, yeah, 20, wait a minute. 2019? 2019, yeah. yeah. March 2019, it was in March. And uh, so I started working out, started training, started going to Pacific Palisades High School, working out with their team, uh, coaching over at the Pacific Palisades Junior High School with Adam Hunter, and uh, just started working out. And then I went a couple weeks before the tournament back to Ohio and uh, to train with Coach. And um, I had a friend, Ishmael Lotz, he's from... He's from Netherlands, but I met him out here in an acting class, and he's a filmmaker, and he's probably the best filmmaker I've ever met because he's a one-man machine, and he's so artistic. It's incredible. Well, I took him to Brea, and he filmed my show there, and then um, he's like, man, I feel like this is a documentary, and I said, well, you know I'm going to do that wrestling tournament. I said, Cut. well, let me film that. Yeah. I, said, I'll fly. <clears throat> I told him, I'll fly you out there. He's like, yeah, okay. Now, back note. Ishmael, amazing guy. He got stage four lung cancer. Oh, my God. So. Uh, Before you were able to go to Ohio? No, he had oh. it already. Oh. While we are in Bray and all this. And, and he and I are buddies. We go to Grand Canyon together, all this Holy stuff, shit. man, you know. And, and we've made a lot of short films together. And uh, so, anyways, uh, he, um, he said he'd gone. So, he flies out to Ohio to... Um, to, to film the, the documentary. Well, one thing that happened in my life is that our house growing up was always messy, uh, and my room in particular. And Coach DeHart came to my house my senior year and said, your problem is your room. You come here to my house at 5.30 in the morning to train. You don't have a problem with that. He said, you stay late and practice after practice. You don't have a problem with that. You like doing that. You love doing that. Your problem is your room. It's a weakness. That weakness is slowing you down. When you're on the mat, the reason why you're not winning the big matches is because your mind is cluttered just like your room. To be a champion at one thing, you have to be the champion at everything. You have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. Come on, coach. How do I get stronger? You know? <laughs> so, so what you're saying is more push-ups? Yeah. And so, and so, so, and I went back and forth with coach on a couple weeks, and then coach said, you can't come. I don't want you coming to practice. You ain't cleaning your room. I don't want you here. This is what you do for fun, right? Because I'm here with my buddies. We're wrestling. Sir, we're working hard. I'm with my friends having fun. And the side note to my room is that a lot of chaos is going on in my life at this point. My dad's on his deathbed, and my dad's sleeping in my room because he has to be closer to the bathroom, okay, because he can barely walk, okay? Uh, my house... Wait, this, this year? No. Oh. 1998. Okay. Sorry. When I'm cleaning my room. Sorry. Gotcha, sorry, gotcha, sorry. Gotcha, okay. gotcha, So gotcha. when I'm in senior year of high school, my coaches tell me, get your room right. clean. Gotcha. Okay? And it's a mess. And my mom is also doesn't throw anything away. She's a hoarder, okay? She's not bad like you see on TV, but she keeps But she things. keeps like, hey, here's my Tupperware lids. Away. You're like, you don't need this many. And so there's all these other kind of variables about the room, so it's not that easy. And then I, but then I, when I had this tournament, and I got pinned, and I came back, and I started cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. Well, Coach DeHart 
he was not my high school coach. He was just like my coach. Like he always coached me, but I had a different high school coach. Coach Dehart does his own thing, right? People hire him and he does. So he was actually in Florida working with one of the Gracies, I think, training them for some yeah. UFC shit or right when UFC was starting. And so I go to the tournament by myself, but this time I, you know, I, I have my, I, mean, I clean my room and to make it to state, I had to beat this dude who had pinned me five times. Oh, and he was, and not only had he pinned me five times the year before, he ended my friend's career by slamming him. Oh. So it's like it had everything built in, like a high school this movie. A movie, one. man, yeah, you, you know, and Your nemesis, yeah, a nemesis. Like, and and nobody thought I was going to win the match. My own coach said, "Swinehart, just stay off your back." You know, and I'm jump roping before the match, listen to Vision Quest. And I was just going to say, this sounds like a Vision Quest song should be playing right yeah. now. That is hilarious. Winner takes it all. Yeah. The loser takes the foe. Yeah. yeah. So I'm jump roping, getting it all going. And, and I had to win five matches that day. And each match I won by like one or two points, barely, you know, come down to the last second, score at the last second. Now, wrestlers, before the big finals, a lot of times the team will go, and eat dinner together. Well, I had a habit of eating a tuna sandwich and a, and a Gatorade. You know, my, uh, my mom made me some little smoothie drink, and I drink that as well. So I would always kind of eat the same thing. I know my opponent went to eat with his team, okay? Uh, and when the match came, dude, I walloped him. It was like... What, did he go have Thanksgiving dinner? I, I, think he, <laughs> I think he ate too much. Yeah, he's like, I, I had a box did. of wine. Yeah. and uh... I think he ate too much. I think he took me for granted. And, and it was one of those things where your mind turns off and your body goes because everything I did, and it's weird because your mind didn't turn off. It, it, got, it got still. Yeah. It got still something happened where, yeah. cause I would get in on his legs and I would take him down just like so easy. It was all, you were in the moment. In the moment. And, yeah. he, and he was fighting back everything he had and, and I won and boom and look in the corner of the gym and there's my dad. He's crying, you know, with a hanky. I seen him do that. I think for World War II guy, I, you yep, don't see that nope, much. Yep. I seen him cry when my when my grandma, my mom's dad died, and uh, I didn't really see much emotions out the yeah. that kind of emotion. Right, right, right. Other than you know getting angry, and that's a different cry because that's a it's pride. It's pride, and uh, so I go back now, Coach Dehart. So I call when when I won, Coach Dehart in Florida. I called him. I said, Coach, and I'm crying when I call Coach Dehart, and he said he heard me crying and he thought, Oh no, oh no, he got beat. Oh no. <laughs> And I said, Coach, I cleaned my room. I'm going to state. <laughs> and that coach tells that story from that day on. That's a, so much so yeah. that when you go to his garage, he goes, he goes, guys, how do you make it to state? Clean your Clean room, your coach. Room, coach. <laughs> Clean <laughs> your fucking I'm sick of hearing it, dude. And so that became part of the story. Now, my dad died in 99, right after my sister graduated high school. I left, my sister graduated in 99 in May. He died on June 10th, 99. My sister went to college that year. The following year in 2000, I moved to California. So in one year, my mom lost her husband and both her kids in wow. a certain degree. Her kids are still yeah. here. Right, right, right. right. But, but they're gone. not they're in the gone. house anymore. Yeah. So now the house become more cluttered, more kind of hard. It looked like 1999, but... 20 years later. Mm -hmm. So I get back home and I start cleaning that room. Okay. I got a wrestling tournament again. And when I went to my room to get to my bed, 
there's boxes everywhere. It was just one direct straight route you can walk to get into your bed. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. My mom and I have a lot of battles because I try to get rid of stuff and she don't want anything to go. So I learned how to kind of put things in the closet or whatnot. Well, I clean most of the room. I clean my room and then Ishmael come, come in and he hears the story and he's like, man, I think you got a story about your, your wrestling and being a comedian, but I think this cleaning the room story is the story. You got to clean this house. Now you got to go to the tournament. Yeah. So well, we, I couldn't get the whole house clean because right. my mom would. That was in, yeah, it's, I get it. It's a, dude, if I clean the closet <clears throat> and she thinks I throw something out, she will cry. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing. It's a, it's a us. tough balance. It's a hard battle. Uh, but that became a big part of the documentary. And then, uh, you know, I trained, I got down to 165 pounds right Good now. Lord. I probably weigh about 175, 180. So, um, I got down to 165. I did the tournament, and my first guy was just—I mean, he beat my ass, dude. He was—he <laughs> was a bad some bitch, man. He was like 20. If you were casting a movie and you're like, the guy hasn't wrestled in 20 years, who's his first opponent? That guy. Yeah. And then my next match, I said, okay, I don't want to get pinned. I went to distance, and I scored a takedown at the end. I still got beat, but um, so I did the tournament. And Ishmael is—I went to Netherlands a couple weeks ago, uh, and we were doing some voiceovers for the. Uh, for the documentary and uh so Did he moved back to netherlands yeah he's oh, in okay. netherlands yeah so he lives in netherlands he just comes here from time to time uh, to do okay. some filmmaking stuff but so you were over there helping working on the we're working on the documentary and it's about <clears throat> it's almost done i mean it's pretty close that's great he's got the a feature length short film 20 minutes 20 minutes okay yeah 20 that's minutes great, though. yeah i i think it's like to me it's the to me it's the best thing i've done uh because it's really me People are, it's, it's, it's so me, it's hard to watch, you know, because I'm letting people into the, you know, town. People love that shit, dude. Yeah, Let think, them in. Yeah. I think, uh, cause it's really showing a lot of my problems and all this stuff. And, you know, I go back to my dad's grave and I talk to him and I mean, and, and D Hart and my mom and Scooby comes to watch the tournament. And, uh, so I think it's, but gonna, you didn't go to the tire guy. I did not go that guy. Like, that's there. There's a shot of you walking past, <laughs> needing tires, and then looking at him and going, "Nope." nope. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, call, call I'd rather man. walk to the match than drive in a car with tires by this guy. Yeah, that's dude. Right. Isn't that crazy? That's fucking great, though, man. So that's that's my story, man. So you're like going. Said everybody's got a story. You got a great one. Yeah, I mean, it thanks. sucks that you've had to go through some of this stuff, but I mean, isn't that what life is? You get you're faced with problems. Look, I mean, yeah, the, the, the things that look like setbacks or problems or flaws or um, you know things that are going to hold us back end up being the things that you look back on, going, "Oh yeah, that was something I got by." Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, made me do that tournament and made me... And I'm going to do the tournament again this year. I figure, okay, this year I'm 40, so that's something. I'll be doing it at 40, you know? Dude. And, like, uh, and it's it was... I mean, I was sore. It really hurt, dude. And, uh, you know, I'm nervous to do the tournament again this year because you never know. Because you're 40 and your body is going to be fucking saying to you, hey, stop doing this, dude. Yeah. Can't you find a recliner and a yeah. remote control you somewhere know. like a normal 40-year-old? I'll help you but, with that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, but I want to keep, you know, doing it and it got my, uh, so, you know, it. I learned a lot in this last year from, from, from where I was to now and, you know, I still have a lot of other things to, I mean, overcome, you know, in my mind and, and stuff, but, um, you know, I'm just going to keep doing it and, uh, you know, I think about comedy. It's like, I was telling one of the guys the other day, I mean, this 
been there for me through all these years. You mm-hmm. know, John, you have divorce, uh, uh, flipping my car. Or, um, Could friend, always get back on stage. Yeah, it's like it's like all these things that happen. You know, the finger, all this. Get back on stage, keep going, keep doing. You know, and and uh, you know the irony to me is the the crowds a lot. You know, because um, you know you're always. It's like you're you're performing mostly for couples and nine to fivers, you know. And a lot of the comics I hang out with are single, not nine to fivers. Not nine to fivers, okay. <laughs> and they talk shit about couples and people who work regular jobs. Sure, but yet who are we writing our set for? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like there's also a lot of couple comics like I talk about marriage yeah, now. You a know, lot I mean, of, a lot of marriage. You talk comics. about what you know. Yeah. You know, and and people will relate to that even you know if you're. A guy who doesn't who talks about how you're anti-relationship and you're not a nine-to-fiver. So the, even guys and pe- women and men and couples, they're going to agree with you. Yes. They're going to see your point. They're yeah. going to get if you make it relatable. Yeah, you know, everybody's been single at least for five seconds in their life. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, um, man. But yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming out. That was yeah. fun, dude. Do thank not underestimate B Swine, everybody. No, and I, yeah. I want to I I quit, f- so you better be ready. Fucking Terminator over here. Uh, I want to I finish this episode by um, just let everybody know that. So, you know, we've talked over the time. I've always shared that story about what happened to me at the comedy store way back in the day. And you may, probably don't remember this, but I remember John, John may know this. But a long time ago, and I don't have a problem saying the guy's name because he's a little douchebag, but Tommy, who used to run the comedy store, sure. kick, you know, the last time uh, when my second son was born, I, uh, uh, he was in the NICU. And at that time, I was, I was performing regularly at the comedy store. And when I came back, Tommy, I was about to go on stage in the original room. And uh, Tommy kicked me out of the club permanently. And and for, for with no excuse, wouldn't talk to me about it, whatever. And it was like it was the beginning of I think the end of how I had perceived comedy all those years. It was it was hard for me. I was emotionally not ready because I was still dealing with my kid. Mm-hmm. Like is my kid going to survive? Which he oh. did. He's very healthy now, and that's why I got that award over there in this mustache. But yeah, made a different story. But in, in, a in, in, in bringing you into this full circle was that. I never went to the comedy store again after that. Like I, I struggled with that. It, it affected me and and doing stand up. But you let me back on stage in the OR. It was the first time and the last time I oh. ever performed. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was, oh, yeah. That's well, cool. I didn't. I didn't make a big deal out of it, but it was really important because John was doing the show, and I came there, and you're like, oh, you want to do a couple minutes? And like, I, you may or may you, you wouldn't know this, but the anxiety that the baggage that I was carrying yeah. just to get on that stage because of what had happened to me. Cause I was a comedy store guy. Yeah. And this dude just flipped out on me for no, no, I've never gotten an explanation for it. Just completely flipped out on me, kicked me out of the club, was never welcome back there. And so, you know, guys like you, you know, people always talk about like, you know, what comedy is and it's, it's always really hard to explain what comedy is in Los Angeles. But comedy is not just those clubs. It's all the people that independently put on shows all over the place that really do. You know, you were talking about TK earlier. I know a lot of people can. It's easy to make fun of people that run bringer shows. I get that. But just imagine all the extra stage time. Yeah. That's out there that have developed so much great talent. And I'm not Good. saying I'm not using myself as great talent. I'm saying what I'm saying is that I am, that have I'm that great. have nurtured. You know that talent. You know when I first moved out, it was it was Dublin's. Remember, oh, it, it I love Dublin's. And that Dublin's was was not a a, a, a comedy club. No. So there was only a couple comedy clubs, and there's only as you know, it's real estate. There's only so many spots you mm-hmm. can get. Yeah. So guys like you, running rooms, yeah. you know, and eventually running shows at 
you know, famous clubs that everybody knows in the world. But I, I always just want to say thank you for letting me do that because oh, it allowed man. me to work out the demons. Yeah. And I moved on. I moved to that that set allowed me to move on. Just let it go. Let it I go. still don't like to do what the dude did to me. Yeah. Well, no, but also but, that guy's been fired and he is fucking never going to be well, around comedy again. So I will tell you, my brother uh, is a retired police officer and I, I use this as an example, not just in law enforcement, but in life. And I remember saying to him once, I said, you know, what really bothers me is that people who commit crimes and they get away with it. And this is what my brother said to me. He goes, They'll never, they may not get caught for the ones that piss you off. He goes, but eventually they get caught. Everything catches up to you. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And once he said that to me, I was like, okay. Everything's got a a way of evening out. It does. It has a way of taking care of itself. And that's what he's, that's all he was saying. It takes care of itself eventually. So don't carry, don't hold it too much. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, man. All right, now you two are gonna go get a room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's my pleasure, man. I'm glad that happened. That's a great story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Brian, thank you so much. Um, I always love doing shows with you. Yeah, um, man. Be and uh, you catch Brian on stage around Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, um, hopefully, eventually, his movies on Prime. Yeah, November 18th, I'll be at the Improv. I don't know if uh, November 18th. Yeah, yeah. Improv, Hollywood Improv. What time's the show? 7:30. 7:30 show. Yeah. November 18th, that a Saturday. Monday. Monday. You know you guys want to get out there on Monday yeah, nights. Do it. It's <laughs> at 7.30. I usually get the 11.30 uh, p.m. Friday night shows, which are really good. Yeah. All right. Thank, thank you so you. much, Brian. Thank, thank you, Brian. Thank, thank you, Bestie. Yeah. Thank you, Bestie. You've been very uh, enjoyable to have yeah. around. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 